Lower Your Volume contains sometimes graphic and often explicit content. That being said, some episodes are not for everybody, so listener discretion is advised. And as always, spoilers ahead. Cheeky hooves. And I am Cowslip Delightful Prince. <laughs> and and this is Lower Your Volume. Um, we are a unicorn literary yes. podcast where we chat about books and and eat them. Yes, and stamp our hooves way too loudly. That just made me want to throw um, up. That was awful. So I'm actually Nicole Bosch. Yeah, and I'm Madison Fry. <laughs> but this is still lower your volume. Yeah. yeah. We're just not a unicorn book no, podcast. No, we're a literary we're podcast. Just, we're just a literary podcast. And we podcast. talk too loud. Absolutely. But other than that, it's almost exactly uh, the same. And if you want to know what the fuck happened with our intro this morning, or whatever the fuck day, what the fuck? It's uh, literally, <laughs> if you it's know what's literally going on. 9.44 at night. It's not even remotely close what the to f- morning. But when the episode goes live, it's true, at 10 a.m. It's like, I have no idea when mm-hmm. people are like, wherever, whatever time the fuck it is in right. your life. Happy um, hour somewhere. It's five o'clock somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um... This is what happened, y'all. Yes. Madison and I are working on this project. Yes. We're not going to talk about the project no. because, like, <laughs> it's a project that's secret. It's, it's secret. Big secret. <laughs> um, but this project that we're working it on involves, involves names. <laughs> names and naming things. And so we were on a name generator. Uh-huh. And I, before Madison and I signed off, which had been, we had been on the phone for at least three hours yeah. at this point, I want to say. Uh-huh. And, uh... I found this unicorn name generator. Oh no, pony! I think it was, was it just pony. pony. I think it was pony name generator. Which we I realized is obviously ups- made for bronies. Yeah, for sure, name made for bronies, like Rainbow Butt Plug or whatever their names are. <laughs> yes, Rainbow Butt Plug. I literally, I literally forgot how when you put the solution on your another fucking sign up the glossier solution when yeah. you put it on your skin it makes your skin like literally have no moisture yeah, left in it yeah it's quite tacky yeah which is fine yeah. i just like touching my face is not an option um but anyway we were doing this name generator mm-hmm. and of course i before madison signed off i was like okay so i have to read off these lists of names mm-hmm. to you and the first one was funny it was like parsley something yeah Rosemary But then we and got time. to the second name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Then we got to the second name, which was Cowslip Delightful, Delightful Prince. Prince. And I don't think we've laughed. I mean, we've laughed pretty hard the last two days, especially yeah. with the, the ad. Oh, my God. That was. The I, I pulled up. I pulled up. I think it was a pronunciation video on YouTube. Yep. And we were same, on for, The same project we're working yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I pulled up a pronunciation video. And the ad before it, it's it was the Reese's um like holiday bunny ads because we're recording this on Easter. It's currently Easter, and um, yeah, it <laughs> and it started going like wow 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 wow, and we've yeah. been looking up like sexy guy names. Yeah, that's I think literally the know. Google was like hot guy names. That's it. <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's like Zach, and I'm like, what hot guys have you been talking to named Zach? Because every Zach I know is a douche. So my boyfriend's name. <laughs> One C. My boyfriend one is C. a fucking like hot Efron. snack. Like Efron. Like Efron. 
one C. My boyfriend's a snack, man. <laughs> I know. I said the first thing that came to my head. I did not mean to say that your boyfriend was on a toilet. Um, <laughs> I didn't mean This it. is going to be a one-woman show from now on. Okay, okay. So we need to we need to talk about something. The first being Nicole and I's sleep schedule. We are God. on the precipice of completely going off the fucking edge because yeah, we too much all, quarantine. yeah all throughout quarantine we started this collective i would say collective because we would spur each other on habit of staying yeah. up until like four or five in the morning to read which is mm-hmm. fine if you don't have to anywhere to be the next day like for myself you had to get up for work and then you just kept pushing yeah, it till like rough. seven yeah which is bad news bears but then my job reopened and I have to get up at 5.30 for my job. But habits mm-hmm. are hard to break, man. Especially when you're reading dank AF books. So, like... Yeah. And so, I was... And we've had some good ones. We've had... Especially for today. I basically... Oh, yeah, I've almost pulled, like, three all-nighters now to go to work. With, like, two hours of sleep mm-hmm. in between. And then... Well, and then the other day... I, I say, like, I'm looking at the camera like it's my computer. The other day, I... I, you know, I slept, I slept maybe an hour before work because we were yeah, up. I remember. And then I came home and I lost my fucking mind to Broken Night. And then I was so physically and emotionally drained from literally sobbing. Like, so, I mean, I don't think y'all understand. I tried to tell I you. I called Nicole. <laughs> you explain it from your point of view. So I'm on a work call, but I was on a work call where in which I was allowed to be on mute because it wasn't a call that I had to be like participating in. I was just there to listen, uh-huh. almost like a lecture. Uh-huh. Um, and so I answer her the phone and she is absolutely like in a like literally it looked like you had stuck your head in a river and your face had just emerged and it was just covered in like water. And I remember the words, maybe, I may be wrong. I remember the words, fuck you. I hate you. (laughs) Fuck this book. Like, I I feel like those were, those were the strongest points. So essentially, y'all, this happened to me months ago, back in August Uh when I read the book and I had called my, my buddy, Ashley, my friend, Ashley, Uh and I told her, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm wrecked. I'm emotionally Uh wrecked. And then a couple months ago, I read it again again and and I snapped at you. And I think you'd only at that point only had read Vicious. I I think I'd maybe, I think I'd maybe read Vicious and I think I was in the middle of Ruckus. Yeah, so I and so you didn't know. I mean, you knew, I knew but you didn't, but I didn't know, know like how much it was gonna viscerally affect you. When I say, I, I and we both have said we felt this now. When your whole body just <laughs> feels completely empty it, of water, like, feeling it, everything. Honestly, <laughs> I have, I have no words to explain how much this made me cry. Like I was trying to think about like a movie that made me cry this much. I was trying to think about, like, any other books that made me cry this much. And I, like... I've had a couple. I, I think... I don't know if anything... For me, it's The Notebook and About Time. Both with Rachel McAdams. <laughs> I have not seen The Notebook in its entirety. Um, oh, well, that one makes me sob. The same way that that made me sob, it makes me sob. I'm trying to think, is there any movie that makes me just ball my eyes out? And you guys, it's not just, like, crying. No, 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 it's no. It's, like, full, this, like, chest this crying. Like, oh. <laughs> This is like, <laughs> yes, where you're like, I can't breathe. It's, it's 
type of crime because your whole ass chest is involved. Okay, like, I'm sure most of you were teenage girls at one point. When you get into a huge fight with your parents and you just can't stop fucking crying <laughs> in your yes. room and you're like, <laughs> you know, like, I hate everything. Like, that kind of feeling where you just feel like your life is fucking over and you can't yeah. stop, like, dry heaving crying. That's how yeah, this book exactly makes you it. cry. I, 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 oh my god, I was a fucking wreck. Yeah, I think I said, like, fuck you for making me read this book. Yeah. <laughs> but well, that being said, I loved it. You finished the whole. And the then the next day, I decided saga. to finish, to read and finish Angry God while also finishing, finishing my long ass book for this week. And I did it all ahead of schedule. I with know, time to start The Kiss Thief. Right. So here's the thing, y'all. Yes. Before we, there's one more thing I got to mention yeah. before we jump into the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I genuinely like quarantine has taught me a few things. One, I really miss college me. Not I like miss college how me it too. was in college. I just miss like the fact that like okay, when we were in when we were in school, uh-huh. we had so much more downtime than we realized. Yeah. And granted, me and me and Madison were in a sorority, so like yeah. downtime for us didn't really equate to much other than the fact that we had like events and we went to like right, right. parties and we had because mm-hmm. like you know, our, like we hung out with sisters. Yeah. Like well, and yeah, and like like I was at your apartment a lot, and I was at your apartment yeah. a mm-hmm. lot. So and then I was at other people's apartments yeah, a lot. Yeah. It was and just like, like, and like I missed that. And like the house, you know, you have a sorority house, yep. you go hang out at the house with all your friends. Like Yep. I mean I miss weekends where I, I mean I granted right now I don't have I the kind of weekends darties. that I used to have, but I darties, yeah, I man. miss darties. Oh. <laughs> I miss I miss long weekends. I miss like not having classes on Friday yes. and the last class that I have on Thursday is at mm-hmm. noon and then I can hang out. From noon Thursday until, like, Tuesday morning when I would have, like, literally yeah. my senior year was perfect. Uh, I same. only had classes Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So, from Thursday fucking night until Monday night, mm-hmm. even sometimes until Tuesday morning at 3 a.m. Because like, I was a I piece of like shit. Waking I waking up on, out. like, a Saturday at, like, 10, texting all your friends, putting on your best, like, most comfy outdoor gear, getting some good liquor, and just going to a darty. That was, like... I miss I it. I miss it so much. Well, and, like, right now, it's especially hard because as it's spring, I, like, we could be going to bars if it weren't for the quarantine and whatnot. Oh, absolutely. <sighs> I would be at the what bar. What I wouldn't do. I miss the bar. What I wouldn't do to be on the patio of my favorite bar. What I wouldn't <sighs> do to be at a bar in general. Agree. We're not alcoholics. No. We just really miss being Well, out but I would public. say you and I are both extroverts. We are. Yeah. We're both, like, the extroverts that really do need our own introvert alone. Yeah, we do. Like, I I deeply value... Well, because I think I think a lot of my hobbies are introvert hobbies. Yeah, I think... Well, yeah, because yours are, like, painting and, or drawing and, <laughs> Sound like you such know, a little reading. Like, oh, painting and drawing. Oh. <laughs> such a brat. <laughs> Mine right now is, uh, what's it called? Cross-stitching, yes. which I'm so happy that I started that. Mm-hmm. And reading. Yep. Uh, but what I was going to say is I'm 51% extrovert and 49% introvert when I take oh, all the damn. quizzes. Oh, damn. Mine's pretty close. So I'm technically an ambivert? Yeah, mine's pretty close, but I do know that, like, at the end of the day, I like having people around. Like, even, like, I, I used to love going to, like, the library to study because I liked having people mm-hmm. around me. I missed that. I missed, I missed I, that, I, too, yeah, I think guys. that's why I gravitate towards coffee shops. I, I know, and I miss, I fucking miss... I don't miss the studying aspect, but I do miss the studying aspect. I miss the structure. Yeah, I, I miss, miss the, the goddamn I also, structure. I miss the, like, I don't know. There's something very industrious and, like, you feel, like, accomplishment of 
ed- yep. of education and like the pursuit of learning. Agreed. But at Agreed. the same time, I'm glad life doesn't have a GPA. Are you ready I'm, to talk about? You're gonna finish it today. I'm finishing. Here's the thing. Bree. Okay. So let's I'm fr- check our <clears throat> let's check our star charts. Does this have magic? It has magic. Does this have London? It has Londons. Does it have a brooding boy? Yes. You forgot history. And yes, it does have history. history. And it does have a brooding boy. <laughs> and that's got that's the new that's the new fourth fourth mark is a brooding boy. Here's, and, and on a report card, it scores an yeah, A. It scores a perfect score. Okay. If you're taking tally at home, you can mm-hmm. have one shot now. <laughs> or four. Four. Or four. four and every shots. time, oh my god, that'd be even better. Every time our book hits all four marks, you take a you shot. Take a We're shot. drunk. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so today. I'm like almost sad to be doing this because I don't want this to be over. But I'm sorry. I, okay, here we go. So today I'm finishing the Shades of Magic series by V.E. Schwab with the final book, A Conjuring of Light. This book, first of all, it's a hefty boy. It's 624 pages. And hot damn, every single one of them is important. Luckily, hot damn. Hot damn. That being said, I was able to keep my notes pretty short in like, I'm not going into a lot of detail this week. Mm -hmm. Like, because I just, I literally cannot. Because... At, at, okay, so just, when we, when we start the book, you have to think about all, like, the characters that we have that have stakes in this. You have yeah. Kel and Lila, Holland, Rye, um, Alucard, the qu- king and the queen, like, um, Lenos, Hostra, like, Tyrion, that's at least ten characters who have, like, and then Oseran, the bad guy. So that's eleven people that we have to, like, take into account that each of them are experiencing this in a different way. So, let me read the back, and then we'll get into it. (laughs) The balance of power among the four Londons has reached its breaking point, as a dark force of magic converges on the Marish Empire, weakening its defenses and opening a space for another London to rise. Kel, formerly assumed to be the last surviving Antari, begins to waver under the pressure of competing loyalties, and in the wake of of tragedy can the Marish Empire survive. Lila Bard, once a commonplace but never common thief, has survived and flourished through a series of magical trials, but now she must learn to control the magic before it bleeds her dry. While Rye Marish, while Prince Rye Marish struggles to stay alive, the disgraced pirate captain Alucard Emery collects his crew and races to find an impossible cure. As darkness falls, loyalties will be tested and sacrifices will be made, and a world will meet destruction. Uh-huh. Okay, so... I did not realize that their last name, like Kel's last name, was Marish. Yeah. I knew it was, but like when I was, do- we have a post that just is about to go mm-hmm. on this week where it's our quarantine houses, yeah. and I put Kel's name in there, and I put Rye's name in yeah. there too. But when you said Marish Empire, now I like yeah, it so it's clicked. like their empire. It's their like um, their dynasty. Yeah. yeah. I also just as a side note before we start this, um, I have a couple things to about V. E. Schwab. First of all, if you like, if you read these book series and you like them, I think it is to be noted. She has put together, as of right now, there's nine issues out. It's a comic about King Maxim when he was younger. 
Oh, and cool. I am I can't once this quarantine's over, I'm going to my local comic book store because yes, I have a local comic book store. It's one of my favorite places. It's where I get all my good comics. And I know that I know if they don't have it there, they're gonna order it for me. I know they will because they have so much stuff. And it it mm, it looks so good. But also, I went on um, yesterday. V. E. Schwab, she had a live show on uh, Instagram. Yeah, so I went on it and I found out. I just think this is such a fun fact about my Lord and Savior V. E. Schwab. She has <laughs> seven chickens, all of them named after different alcohols. That's phenomenal. I know. I was like, that just makes me love you more. Just more. I mean, there's no denying phenomenal. it. Phenomenal. So, yeah. So with that, let me pull up my notes that I hastily typed. Um, do you remember what happened at the end of the last one where we left off? Yeah. They, like, Kel had been... He'd been imprisoned, mm-hmm. right, by like by the king uh-huh. and queen, and then he fucking darted because he needed to get out, right? Because right? like the king let him out, and he was in Grey London, but then he came back to Red London, well, and then got taken into White London, right? And then they put the collar on him, and Rye started yep. dying, and Lila yes. went, "Let it be enough." And then that's where the book ended. Yes. So we are we yes. come into this. Lila yeets herself to Red London. She survives. Rye is dying. Should be crazy. Okay. So she goes so she goes to Red London. Or Red London. She goes to White London. And um she once she gets there, she does the spell to like locate somebody. And she so she's like Astashin and then like she says like Kel or whatever. She lands outside the door of the room that he's in and she can hear him screaming and she's about to go in. And Oshka's like, bitch, nah. Think again. So her and Oshka fight, and it is kind of a badass fight between two badass chicks. I mean, obviously, you're rooting for Lila because you don't want Kel to die. But, like, Oshka, she uses knives that are on, like, tethers, so she pulls them back and stuff, and it's kind of crazy. And she goes, she she tackles Lila to the ground, and she's about to go for, she goes to go stab her in the fucking eye. And Lila's like, pick the wrong eye, bitch. Because it cracks her glass eye. Like, and so it's all like, there. it looks like, like, starbursts in her eye. But, like. Oh, my God. And she's no, like, and she's like, Lila. she's like, fuck you. And, like, slices her throat. So, Oshka's dead. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> yeah, but, like, and, like, and, like, it's not, you know, but, but anyway, so her, so her eye, like, looks really weird and kind of fucked up. Like, there's cracks in it, basically. Um, mm-hmm. She goes in to the room and she manages to save she takes the collar off of Cal and his magic comes flooding back to him and and oh my god it's so sad because something in this book that I think isn't done in a lot of other books is like when when in a lot of other books when they talk about men crying it's always like he shook silently or some shit like that you know what I mean like always in this book it's like he sobbed he cried like these like i have that in my book it's as so well good. It's so good because my lord and savior sarah j moss my everyone lord and, and our other lord and savior <laughs> we bow to the deities yes. that we have created because there's like it, it honestly it like feels more real I don't know. I just, like, I like that about them. Um, well, it also, it's also to the point where, like, so many men mm-hmm. in society think that they don't 
need to show emotion because it's not what society yes, deems exactly, is okay. Exactly. And that's not the it's fucking not, truth. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. It drives like, me nuts. Like, say what you will about Frozen 2, but Kristoff being that like, was great. your feelings are real. Like, yeah. you feel what you feel and your feelings are real was what Ben slash Kristoff says to himself, to Kristoff. Like, what the fuck? That is the first yeah. fucking time mm-hmm. that people have, like, children might have heard that. Yeah, it's honestly, like, it's amazing. Boys, it's amazing boy so children. Much. I love, I love it. I, I, and so, so anyway, he's like sobbing because he can like feel Rye like breaking off from him basically because he's dying. Oh, I know. Rye. So then Lila is like, what's the spell to heal? Tell it to me. And he says it and she does it. And like, bitch is in Antari. Like it's confirmed she is. Which is just, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you're just like my full body. I, I, has I, I was like, I was like, this is, is this what it feels like to be alive? When you do the scarecrow <laughs> arms, you know shit's happening. Yeah, I do, I, I do the scarecrow <laughs> arms a lot. I'm more like, <laughs> it's my like, no, no, I feel that. I literally have, oh my God, I have like, yeah, right? for some fucking reason, but I'm just like scarecrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so she saves him. Also, I love that we just like kick off the book and she is saving him. Like, so good our lord and savior yeah right (laughs) um yeah so she's full antari uh back in red london osaren is in holland's body he gets there and he uses his magic to start kind of lightly controlling people on the street um and he makes his way to the castle rye meanwhile this is what i'm saying like we jump around a lot so i'm gonna just very Dip into these bits. Go for okay. it. Go for it, bitch. I'm especially here. I'm in the beginning. I'm salad. Okay, especially in the beginning. I think I said I'm solid. I'm salad. And I meant to say, no. I think I said I'm salad, and I'm I meant salad. to say I'm solid. Chicken That's Caesar. your Midwestern bullshit. <laughs> Ranch dressing. dressing. That's like a Schmidt thing. All day. I've never seen New what Girl, but we keep Nicole. talking about that. Nicole. Nicole. You I know, you tell me you tell me that I'm literally like would be Jeff yeah, or some no, shit like you, that, right? You, Nick, oh my god, Nicole. Cause Schmidt is me. I hate to admit it, but Schmidt is me. I am Schmidt. The one who was always like, No! <laughs> that one he's me. That's the guy who looks like he'd be a John Mullaney type of figure, right? He's the Jewish boy, yes. When John Mulaney is the only Catholic non-Jew, he's not even Catholic, but he's basically a Jew because he's married to yeah. his Anna. wife Anna, who is a Jew. Yeah. Oh my God! I, if you haven't, this is this is our John Mulaney. Yeah, today. for today, check that uh, off the list. Um, so back in take another shot. Red London. They have brought Rye up to his rooms. The king and queen are there. Alucard's there, like at his bedside, and. Alucard, you kind of find out, I don't know if they talked about this in the last book, but I know they do in this. The way he sees magic is like, because, you know, they said that like, he can see it, is that he can yeah. see like threads coming off of people almost, like almost like an aura, but with threads. Mm-hmm. And Antares are silver. And like some certain people who are very powerful are like green, most people are blue or like whatever the colors are, but Antares are silver. And he can see in Rye, he can always see, see that like it's his... But also there's silver interspersed in it wrapping around his heart. And he says all of a sudden, like, his, like, color just left and Rye dies. <gasps> no! Yeah, so Rye dies, like, and his body is, like, settled. Like, 
But then, so in the telling of the... I'm heartbroken. I know. <laughs> but then in the telling of the book, Lila frees Kel and Rye breathes again. Which means his life, he cannot die unless Kel dies. What? Yeah. Uh, I know. Okay. <laughs> so I said, I said, Kel is saved by Lila from the collar. He finally returns to life. Alucard is McFucking Shook. He is, cause, cause they, cause they were all like, because it. Queen Amira's like there, and she's like, no, 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 he's gonna, he's gonna breathe, he's gonna breathe or whatever, and then he does, and everybody's like, oh my fucking god, oh my god, and like the king and the queen and Alucard know that it's cause of Kel, like that the only reason Rye's alive right now, granted he was in the state of death because of Kel as well, but like, right. but now that means that as long as Kel is alive, nothing can kill him. I mean, I always wonder when it comes right. to that kind of stuff, when it's, like, beheadings and whatnot. But, yeah. like, but I, I don't know. We don't venture into that territory in this. No, but you make a good point because I think there's a lot of books that do this whole, like, your life source is tied to another life source. I think they did that in the Vampire Diaries, right, with Bonnie and Elena. Yeah. Where, like, mm-hmm. Bonnie was dead and then Elena took her place. Yeah. Whereas, like, so long as, like, sources... Bonnie survived, yes. Elena would sleep. And then, because I yeah. remember in the last episode with when Elena goes to sleep, it's really sad because you know she's going to wake up and see everybody else, but she won't see Bonnie because for her to wake up, it means that Bonnie's dead. Right, and then at the end of the, spoiler, yeah. at the end of the whole show, they figure out a way for her to, like, actually come al- yeah. alive and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, yep. But that's an interesting point. I like that we're exploring the dynamics mm-hmm. of, of yeah. I guess, we, what we could call like, life mm-hmm. bonding? Yeah, well, and, magic, like, I should say, like, magic. he's, he's, like, like in a coma basically right you know because like he's catatonic right because well because he just died so he's like sleep he's in like deep slumber um then lila and cal she's like they're in the castle in white london and she's like let's go and she goes like um ostravers which is the thing and he's like no 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 and then because in trans transitional magic between like places or like translocational Mm -hmm. magic or whatever it's called you end up exactly where you were. So they pop back into Red London mid-air because they were on the second floor of the castle in White London. And he's like, oh my God. They land on a roof. They skid down. He catches himself. She almost falls. He catches her. And he's like, please just fucking just wait a minute next time. She's like, my bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> She's like, I'm new. Yeah, she's like, I'm new to this. And he's like, I know. <sighs> he's, he's very but could you please just fucking just, listen just give it a second <laughs> anyway so they hop down from the roof they run to the palace meanwhile on the on the ceiling or not the ceiling the roof of the palace they're having the fucking victor's ball for the essentosh so they're all the wizards oh, wow. are there wow i forgot that, that <laughs> right i know <laughs> So you're like, I'm five chapters in and I forgot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so they're up there and all of a sudden Osaren's there and everybody's like, who the fuck do you think you are? And he's like, I'm your king. And Kissimir, one of the champions, was like, bitch, the fuck you are. And she tries to fight him and he just obliterates her. Like. Obliterate how? Like he goes and he like sends like the fog, his magic into her and basically forces her out and her body turns to ash. Can I just say that one of my favorite things about like p- evil people uh-huh. is if they have like a fog <laughs> like I yeah oh it's weird mm-hmm. but like the fact that you're just like let me just explode into fog yep and then all of a sudden you're gone yep well well because this thing is is that the the magic it's it doesn't have like a solid form on its own really 
Uh-huh. It's, it's very interesting. Okay, so then Kel and Lila return. They're up on the roof then because King Maxim went up there and somebody's like, there's this guy on the roof. Blah, blah, you know, bad news bears. Um, they go up to go try and fight him. They can't. It's Peter Pan. Right. <laughs> and off we go. <laughs> Here we go. Or whatever he says. Um, I just think of that intro thing, like the magic that brought your butt, you know? <laughs> the guy that did that on TikTok where he did that, like, so good. Um, good memories. So, um, yeah, so they try to stop him. And then he starts, Osaren, like, he he leaves because he sucked out, like, Kissimere's magic and killed her. He has enough power now where he leaves Holland's body and is like, I have my own physical form now. Like, he just, he looks like an obsidian <laughs> statue, basically. He So he, he leaves Holland's body and he's standing there and he's like this black darkness, you know, and he just yeets himself off the roof. And you're like, what the fuck? into the river and the river turns black like the red the red river and then a fog like a dark fog descends over london this like smoke almost and and people like people are like oh my god what's happening and it's like filling their eyes and so their eyes are starting to like swim with the smoke because it's like he's in their heads and he's controlling them oh my god it's really (laughs) fucked up and so then kyle and lila like so also we cut we cut to this bit where like um Lawson who was one of the uh he was he was the the sailor on Alucard's ship who was like kind of wary of Lila but he he's like a nice I don't know if I mentioned him a lot the last time because he wasn't as important he was but he wasn't um he's like in the streets and he's like what the fuck is happening and he sees Kel and Lila right up and he's like is she with the prince because like <laughs> Us when we see celebrities with uh, with random people, you're like, is she me are with they me with my one friend with all her celebrity friends? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So basically, so he's like, "What the fuck?" They're trying to fight off this bad guy, and then all of a sudden, the fog it tries to come near Kel and Lila, and it can't because they're Antari. So they're like, "Oh my god, Antari blood!" So they fucking both like cut themselves and are just marking people with blood, like. Like, just little drop here, little drop here. It comes for Lawson. Oh, my God. I need to make sure that's his name because I'm going to call him that the whole time. If his name is fucking Dawson, I It's not Dawson. It is with an L. I know for fact it's with an L. Okay, hold on. It's like Lewis or Lucas. (laughs) My God. So much happens and in 100 pages. Lenos! His name is Lenos. It's the same. That is a very It is the same five letters. What was what, Lawson versus Lenos? L E N O S versus L O S E N. I'm dyslexic. You can't bully me. Okay, when you said Lawson, I took it L-A-W. to be L A W S L. No, no, no. Like Lawson is like what I was thinking. No, it's 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 um Lenos. We got there. We got there. I'm That's glad I checked. Kind of a cool name. Lenos. It is a cool name. <laughs> so we're sorry. We fucked yeah. up. It happens. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Medicine's dyslexic. I can make fun of her. You yeah. can't. <laughs> Exactly. That's the rules. Um, so basically, uh, dems the dems rules. So, so Lenos. Yeah. So Lenos is there, and he's like about to be attacked, and then and then he gets like blood flicked on him or whatever. He's fine. Um, we also later find out that he has a medallion that he wears that's got his grandmother's blood in it, and his grandmother was Antari. 
yeah gross i mean (laughs) and cool that's the second like time now that i've had like a blood amulet basically so i was gonna say don't was it the bone witch no onyx and ivory onyx and ivory oh onyx and ivory (laughs) i knew i knew it was was one of those ones shit that's on my list of books to read fuck me fuck you Fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> okay. I missed that episode. Okay. So, um No, I don't. That fuck that episode. Yeah. So <laughs> So they go back to they so they end up having to let the city fall because like Kel and Lila, they can't they just they can't go around bleeding themselves dry trying to mark every single person because the marks will eventually fade. So they sure. return to the castle, and then all of, like... The, they have no... They have one ounce of blood yeah, left, and they're like... The pri- yeah, the priests are, um... <laughs> the priests, um, are... Are, like, Pray. no, 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 they ward the castle, so they're safe in there. Okay. Um, like, well, they're, like, they're, like, magician... You know, they're magic priests. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I want a magic priest. It's like the magic school bus, but the Catholic beep, beep. version. <laughs> 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 Cruising down the cold water, chilling, relaxing, feeling good. <laughs> Praying to Jesus, and we're gonna make it real on the magic priesthood. <laughs> I hate you. Okay, so, um, down the river. Meanwhile, Alucard <laughs> runs off to go find his sister and his brother. His brother has been. He has a. He's got siblings. Do you not remember in the last book when Lila followed him and he went to go visit his family and he found out he's a noble? Oh, I'm. Yeah, he's that got now. an older brother yes. and a younger sister. Um, Anissa, his younger brother, and Barris, his noble. older brother. Um, Barris has already been succumbed, to, like has succumbed to the darkness. Anissa's up. I thought you said his name was. Imba- I thought you said he embarrassed. <laughs> I mean, he should be embarrassed younger for his brother. Action. And I didn't know you meant his name was Barris. <laughs> his name is Barris. Yeah. So uh, Alucard goes to go find his sister. His brother. It's bad news. He knocks him out. He goes to go get his sister. She's already having the fever. So what they found out is that like some people will get this fever and some people will like succumb to it and so um she gets this fever and he takes her to his ship because he's like i don't know where else to go and then he starts hearing osaren's voice in his head and he like blacks out basically um oh good yeah (laughs) meanwhile holland is in the dungeons we get a lot of his backstory in this book and let me just say that boy has had it so fucking rough I my oh, heart I love my him. heart <laughs> tortured artists for him like it really does, um, but yeah so he's down in the dungeon and Kel and he's just kind of like very reserved you can tell he's just kind of like so done with all this shit because like all he wanted to do was help his city, and like right be, and you kind of learn through this little backstory bit that that's literally all he's ever wanted he never wanted to like hurt people all he wanted was just to save white London, which is just right. so fucking sad. Um, yeah. So then Rye goes off to go find Alucard and, and in the book you're like, Oh my God, you, Oh my God, Rye, no, no, no. But because his life is bonded to Kells, the fog can't touch him either. I mean, it can, it could like, you know, touch him, but he can't like ent- infiltrate his mind. So he goes to go. It can't, it can't, you know, <laughs> it, can't, it can't enter his mind. That's my impression of Madison. you. Uh, <laughs> sorry. So, um, also we learned that you have to let Osarin in to your head, like into your mind. He has to have permission to like enter you, like enter your consciousness. Well, I mean, you always need permission to enter somebody. Am I right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And that's the tea. End of episode. Special thanks. (laughs) So he, uh, yeah, he, he goes off to go find Alucard. Uh, he finds him on the ship because he's like, I just had, he's, he's like, I just, he just had this feeling that he needed to go to the ship, to the Night Spire, and he finds them there, Anissa and Alucard, and Alucard's on the ground in like the rashes of this fever or whatever, and he ends up waking up, anyway, Cal goes to go find them as well, um, because he's like, right, where the fuck did he go? Of course he went to go save Alucard. Anyway, we find out that when you fully resist... Um, Osaran, your veins like okay. turn silver and you're immune to him. Ooh. And so Rai's like, oh my God. So there's other people in the city who might be immune to him. Like we need to go round them up. So Rai and Lila go out into the city to find these silver people. Um, and they go to the night market and it's, this part made me cry because Lila goes to the night market and she finds Callus tent and she finds her burnt to a crisp like she's dead the the girl the lady who like helped dress her and like you know do all this stuff who basically oh, became like, like a second mother and who was like yeah Cal came back every week asking for you you know like and and that made me so that made me literally V-E yeah, girl that made me so <laughs> upset I was so sad um so yeah so they go uh so they're fine yeah it's very sad so then Kel goes down to talk to Holland again and Holland is like, okay, I'm saying you should execute me. And Kel's like, what the fuck, man? And he's like, no, 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 execute me. I'll ask Oseran for like to come back and like help me. And then when he's in me, you, you like, you do this. It's an Antari curse. Like it's a binding thing where it's basically you're alive, but you can't do anything. You're stuck in like, oh, it sounds, it honestly sounds fucking awful. Um, it does sound fucking awful. My boy. Yeah. But he's like, <laughs> do it. Like I, this is my fall basically. And Kel's like, oh my God. So they're going to try and do it. They, they're about it's to. It's not your fault, Holland. I know, but you know, he's going to enact the sacrifice, you know. Anyway, so they go, so they go to go kill, execute Holland. And my, meanwhile, at one point, some guys come down to try and kill Holland. And Kel's like, no, no, no. No, and he and he like takes the knife that they were gonna use, and he's like, "Oh my god, fucking Lila," because it's Lila's knife, and he later brings it back to her, and she's like, "Hmm, didn't work, I see," and he's like, "Nice try," and she's like, "Well, I mean, it was worth a shot because remember, Holland when he was being controlled by the Danes killed, uh, Baron who was for the pub owner at like where she right. lived in Grey London, who was basically like a father to her, and so she's like, "Fuck you, bitch, I hate you." Um, anyway, so Osaren, like, comes near them, but it goes to shit, and he uses his power to, like, collapse part of the platform they made. Holland goes ricocheting down into the river, the black, dark river that's been, like, sucking people in. Anyway, so he's, and he's got chains on his hands, so he can't really swim right now. So then Kel Mm -hmm. dives in after him down to the bottom of the river and then he frees Holland and then Kel Osiren in the river like basically grabs Kel's leg and then up on when I say this went to shit this went to shit up on land Rye is dry drowning because Kel's drowning so then Lila dives into the river (laughs) and then 
And they, they they all end up getting out okay with the help of, like, Lila and Holland kind of working together. And they free themselves from the river. So, Osiris is pissed and he decides, he's like, fuck you guys. And he wills himself, like, he makes, like, this dark palace in the middle of the river. On the floating, um, the floating, like, arenas that Rye had put together for the Asintosh. Um, so now, Kel, Alucard... Lila and Holland, who's kind of who's on their team now, basically, are trying to come up with a way to stop Osarin. And Rai's also in the room. There's also okay, so this is just kind of a thing that I'm gonna mention a couple times, where one of the most beautiful things about this book is how B.E. Schwab writes Kel and Lila like kind of falling for each other not falling for each other but the but the growth of their relationship because in you know in movies there's this whole thing of like i've talked about this before of like the see don't tell show don't tell yeah and ve shop and i have a couple examples in here and this is just one of them where it's it's a show it's a show not to tell where basically kel hasn't come up to like the room this like you know great room where they're all like discussing what they're going to do and Lila has a drink in her hand and they're talking and Alucard is like I don't know what the fuck we're going to do blah 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 and Kel comes in and he just walks up to Lila and he kind of just like stands next to her and he just like takes the drink out of her hand and like takes a sip of it and Alucard is just like hmm she didn't stab him and it's kind of this thing where you just like <laughs> it, but like I mean that that's like you know that's like a paraphrase of like what happened but like the fact that he like comes up to her and like I think he said he like, he, like touched her hair and like just took the drink from her hand and like took a sip of it yeah like the 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 specific actions show that there's the yeah but it's not like he touched her hair them. like you know it's just like oh he just he just does this thing and the other kid Characters like, huh? She didn't stab him. Can I tell you that that is one of my favorite things? That if you're a writer, and I know Sarah J. Moss mm-hmm. does this in her books, and I know that there's a couple other authors that do this. When you have characters that like clearly have a relationship, and, well, and they can and are exist doing something together, their relationship, yeah, yes, mm-hmm. and you actually see them interact while they're in a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's my, fa- it is yeah. like that's I, I've said before that like the dark haired. Emo boys are my king, but realistically, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but realistically, like my kink is when you have a relationship, you have a character relationship where they're able to act. Mm -hmm. You can see the romance between them, even in the tiniest things when they're just like sitting next to each other. Well, and I think this book does it beautifully because it's like there's and there's I'll I'll get into it more when we get to the other parts because I think that illustrates what I'm trying to say better. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, they talk about this device that's called an inheritor and there's incredibly rare, but basically they're this device that was created where you can take your magic out of your body, store it in this device and then pass it on to somebody else. So basically it's like inheriting magic. And so like the, the, a father before he dies could like take his magic out of his body and give it to his son basically. And so they're like, we could take this inheritor and use it to trap Osarin in it. Um, yeah, but so they're like, where the fuck are we going to find one? They're so rare. And Alucard's like, I actually uh, traded one at a, like, a black market on the water like a couple years ago. And everybody's like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> and anyway, but he's like, it should still be there. Let's shake, rattle, and roll. So, and it's a floating black market <laughs> in the sea, like in the middle of the ocean. Um, also, oh, this is just a little side thing. I kind of forgot about this when I was writing my notes. 
they're like nobody really knows how to get there you need a pirates it's called a pirates life for me no uh like oh my god had to had to take a step right? in it what what are those things called where it's a it's like a not a code it's a like when an oath no no not like that sort of thing like when you're trying to figure out the letters like that match like a like a key or a what the fuck is that called all i can think of is codex and i know I that's know not what you mean on. motherfucker this is gonna piss me off so much um wow i really can't think of it like i know what you mean too like it's you're gonna say yeah, it i'm gonna fucking yeah. riot uh-huh um in my head i'm going through everything from the da vinci right? code that no kind of it's like it's something like that um a, ci- uh, a cipher i think it's a cipher i'm we're gonna roll a cipher thank you national trevor red treasure treasure um thank you national trevor yeah i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's a cipher a pirate cipher that sounds really right that sounds right in my head but i'll basically dig anything yeah like a playfair cipher yeah and so national treasure yeah exactly so basically they're like where the fuck are we gonna get a pirate cipher and they describe it and lila's like huh i used to have a map like that in my room and in gray london my room at barons like i had a map that looked like that and she was like she's like well it's in gray london and i know ned bought that place and kel's like it is not in gray london and she's like what and he's like i have it and she's like what (laughs) and he's like yeah i took it it called out to me for the same reasons it called out to you and she's like oh my god oh my god my fucking boyfriend basically um (laughs) anyway that's mine that one's mine yeah um (laughs) truly so rye stays behind to watch basically watch the city um and the four so (laughs) rye's just like you know what guys i need a break well and also it's like there's a little thing of like yeah yeah it's 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 a lot um so Raya stays behind, and then the four, as in Holland, Alucard, uh, Lila, and Kel, and then Lenos also gets involved, and then um, whatchamacallit is there. Hastra, do you remember Hastra, the young guard who like helped Kel? No, but thank okay, you so, for telling me who she is. It's a boy. <laughs> um, who they yeah. are? Damn it. <laughs> Um, Hastra, Hastra, he was a guard, but he's got, like, the gifts to be a priest, basically. Um, and he ends up going with them, going with them as well. They find this captain, um, named Captain Jasta, I think is how you would say it. She was mentioned in the second book when she gets off her ship and Lila's like, who the fuck is that lady? And Alucard's like, don't fuck with her. And Lila's like, no promises <laughs> um anyway so she's like that's what i yeah do. so she's so jess is like i can take you guys on my ship ghost it's a tiny little ship but it does the job um this okay so here the second half of the book is when they're on the ship that's my favorite um oh we'll, we'll get there we'll get there um so lila is fidgety on the boat and she goes to go find kel at his quarters and i'm gonna read this bit to you um because i thought it was so incredibly sweet and just the perfect like description of their language of of their of their relationship because they really did like they it's like it's like unspoken like they never said we're together you know it's just like it's just it feels right for them and i i just really like it okay here we go 
He was the, he was in the first cabin on the left. Oh wait, here we go. Lila watched the woman go, rocked by the sudden violence, the fact that she hadn't seen it coming. She holstered her blade. That was something to do with Jasta. Um, she holstered her blade with shaking fingers and went to find Kel. He was in the first cabin on the left. Well, this is cozy, she said, standing in the doorway. The cat habit the cabin was half the size of a closet and about as <laughs> the cat <laughs> and about as welcoming. With just enough space for a single cot, it reminded Lila a bit too much of the makeshift coffin she'd been buried in by a bitter Faroan during the tournament. Kel was sitting on the cot, turning a royal pin and over in his fingers. When he saw her, he tucked it back in his pocket. Room for another? She asked, feeling like a fool, even as she said it. There were only four cabins and one was being used as a cell. I think we can make do, said Kel, rising to his feet. But if you'd rather... He took a step toward the door as if to go. She didn't want him to. Stay, she said, and there it was, that flickering smile like an ember coaxed with every breath. All right. A single lantern hung from the ceiling. Kel snapped his fingers, pale fire dancing above his thumb as he reached up to light the wick. Lila turned in a careful circle, surveying the cubby. A bit smaller than your usual accommodations. Mas Veras, which means my prince in Arnesian. Um, don't call me that, he said, pulling her back toward him. And she was about to say it again just to tease him when she saw the look in his eyes and relented, running her hands along his coat. All right. He pulled her close, brushing his thumb against her cheek, and she knew he was looking at her eye, the spiral of fractured glass. You really didn't notice? Color spread across his fair cheeks, and she wondered absently if his freckle, if his skin freckled in the summer. I don't suppose you'd believe me if I said I was distracted by your charm. Lila let out a low, sharp laugh. My knives, perhaps. My quick fingers, but not my charm. Wit, then. Power. She flashed a wicked smile. Go on. And then basically, they're they're getting all flirty. And then she's basically like, next time you, I walk away, like, come with me. And then he's kind of like, Lila, because, you know, they both know he's, his, like, connection to Rye. And so she just, like, kisses him. And he's, they're like, the fr- conversation for another time. But they're just like, their little relationship, it just, it's so... It just works. Like, it's just so good. It's so good. And, like, and what I like about it is that it doesn't... Another thing that I hate in YA books, in books, just in books in general, is when, in order for the characters to be in a relationship, they lose their integrity of who they are. Yes, I hate That is literally one of my biggest pet peeves. One of my biggest pet peeves. I hate that. And so, I, I hate it. I hate it. Um, Although on this podcast so far, we've had a lot of really good relationships. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, we've talked about Gainsey and Blue. Yep. We've Adam had, and I mean, now Kellen yeah. Yeah, and Ronan. We've had Kellen, Lila. Uh-huh. I've had Thomas Cresswell and, and Audrey Rose Kate Wadler. Kate and Corwin were a really good one. Kate and Corwin was she a didn't good have to one. change who and she was. And then we're going to have another one soon. Yes, we will. <laughs> <laughs> But I wanted to say something because I yeah. went, it was really cool about what you were talking the the little piece there. One of my biggest and I keep mm-hmm. saying kinks because that's what it mm-hmm. is. One of my biggest kinks for YA books is when the fucking guy or whoever it is can snap their fingers and just fucking illuminate yeah. shit. Yeah. Well, like well, literally but, but he doesn't even that's a he penny doesn't even dropper. Snap his finger. <laughs> he like turns on and and there's just like a flame on his fingertip and he just like lights the thing all i can say to that is also sexy right i just mean genuinely like that kind of thing is like that is a panty turner in itself it is indeed a panty turner why do we both look at the goddamn cameras (laughs) cameras cameras (laughs) the non-existent cameras in our computers when we we mean to talk to the audience nicole the can the mic is right in front of you like what (laughs) anyway so you know they're all on the ship shit's happening like Kel talks to Holland a couple times. You know, we 
learn more about Holland's backstory. We learn a little about Lenos. We talk about Alucard, you know. So, like, we jump around seeing a little bit more about every person. And it's, like, it's important information, but stuff that you should read when you read the book. Um, so, yeah, they stop in a port town. I think it's called Rosen something. Ro- uh, Rosen Hall. Rosen Crown. So I don't even know. <laughs> Rosen, Rosen Port. I don't know. Um, but it's like, it's like a dark, seedy city. Keep going. See how many times you can come up with a different one. <laughs> Fuck you. It's um, like Rosens, Rosens. Fuck you. I'm, look, I'm looking it up now. Rosebuds. Um, I'm looking it up. It's just funny the way you kept going. It's just like, take the L, Madison. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking it, it up. Rosenall. Um, what was it? Rosenall. Oh, you didn't say it yet. Huh? Rosenall. Rosenall. <laughs> I hate you so it's much. It's not as satisfying as I thought so it was. So they land in Rosenall and it's like this it's like basically a pirate town. Like everybody is shifty in this place. But mm-hmm. Joss is like, if we're gonna like we're running low on stuff, we need to stop in this city in order to into this port. It's the last port before we truly head out to sea. So we need to stop here before we uh go go and go to the market. So while they're there, um on the ship Kel, Lila gets off with Alucard and they see the like guards of this guy who like runs this city coming towards them. And Alucard kind of shields Kel because, or Lila because they have Antari power is something that is sought after and it's very powerful shit. And then Jess is like, fuck, fuck. And as of up until like Lila was confirmed, it was just just the two. And even, even still, and Kel was the only one in red London. Right. So... Yeah, and and now there's fucking three mm-hmm. <laughs> in the same city yeah. or the same um, so universe, whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> realm, land, parallel universe, in Red London. <laughs> um, in Red London. Yeah, in Red London. <laughs> um, so, uh, they they go, they so so then Kel and Holland are on board, and Jess is like, "Fuck, fuck, you guys can't be here. If they see your eyes, they're gonna like, they're they're gonna want to take you, basically, like." And so Kel's like, fuck. And so he releases Holland's like little chains on his hands and they both, you know, teleport themselves to wherever. So they catch up with you. Okay. So, so the last thing in the last chapter, the last line is, and the Antari were gone, meaning that like Kel and Holland disappeared from the ship. So then we cut to this part and this is, see if you can pick up what I mean when I'm talking about the show don't tell. Okay. Okay. Lila had a bad feeling about Rosenall. She didn't know if it was the port town itself that disturbed her or the fact that they were being followed. Probably the latter. At first, she thought it might be nothing, an echo of nerves from that close call back on the docks. But as she climbed the hill to the town, the certainty settled like a cloak around her shoulders, awareness scratching at her neck. Lila had always been good at knowing when she wasn't alone. People had a presence, a weight in the world. Lila had always been able to sense it, but now she wondered if maybe it was the magic in their, in their blood she'd been hearing all along, like ringing like a plucked string. And by the time they reached the rise, Kel either sensed it too, or he simply felt her tensing beside him. Do you think we're being followed? He asked. Probably, offered Holland blandly. The sight of him loose and unchained turned her stomach. I always assume I'm being followed, she said with false cheer. Why do you think I have so many knives? Kel's brow furrowed. You know, I honestly can't tell if you're joking. Some towns have fog, offered Alucard, and some have bad feelings. Rosenall simply has a bit of both. Lila slid her arm free of Kel's, senses pricking. 
the, the last time we, we hear about, you know, Kel or whatever, him and Holland are on the ship. The next time, blah, 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 they're walking up a hill and it says, Lila slid her arm free of Kel's, senses prickling, which means they were walking arm in arm. And it's not like she yeah. looped her arm in his or they walked arm in arm. It's just like they were walking up the hill and then she just took her arm off of his, which means like it's one of those little things where it's like, oh, oh, they like it's not like a thing that's like oh, they're doing this thing. It has to be explained. It's like. No, they are something to each other. Of course they were doing this thing. Like, right. it, it's not, it's not, it, that's what I mean where it's like, it's so brilliantly written in that way where you're just like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just makes sense. And we'll, and there's another example that I have of that as well. Um, but okay. So <laughs> you're, you're going to want to be here for this because it's, shit's about to go off the fucking rails. <laughs> so, I'm ready. So they're in a pub. And Alucard's like, I gotta go buy something. And Cal's like, what the fuck? Because remember, Cal still hates Alucard for leaving his brother high and dry. So this is making for a very fun dynamic with all of them aboard a tiny ship. Lila and Cal are together. Cal hates Alucard. Alucard and Lila are friends. Lila hates Holland. Holland is like, fuck everybody. And then Lenos is afraid of everything. It's it's a really great dynamic. And Hostra's And Hostra's Lenos like, is me. It's just like, it's just like <laughs> let's all be friends. <laughs> like that's it's it's a it's a wild ride anyway so alucard's like i need to go buy something and cal's like what the fuck do you need to go buy and he goes oh you guys need like a token to enter this floating black market it's called like ferris strass i think um and so he's like you need something like to offer the like head of this market in order to get in and just to buy something um sure. so he's like i'm gonna go find something and i was like what the fuck am i gonna give her um, she does decide on the pocket watch that she's been holding on that she had given to Baron and Baron was like, keep it. Um, so yeah, she does end up using that. But anyway, so then Lila's like, where are you going? And so she goes to go after him and she describes the town Rosenal as the kind of city that had the winding streets that were made for people who didn't want to be followed where it's like a windy town so that it makes it really hard to like track people because everybody there is shifty. So she loses Alucard really, really fast. And all of a sudden, and she turns down this alley and she sees this shadow. And all of a sudden, all these shadows are around her. And by shadows, they're men. And by men, they are the crew from the Copper Thief, the ship from the beginning of the first book where she killed the captain and put all of them to sleep with the drugged ale. Because mm-hmm. she left them all alive. So they're like, remember us, bitch? And she's like, ha ha ha, magic! And she like lights up her knives <laughs> with fire. Well, don't be laughing for too long here. Um, so she's holding them off pretty well. Like she's doing a decent job. Um, and then we cut back, but then, but then like, it starts to not go well because more of them keep coming. Like they're hiding in the shadows. She's like, how is this fucking happening? And they're kind of getting, like getting the upper hand on her. So then we cut to Alucard comes back to the bar and he's like, where the fuck is Lila? And they're like, she followed you. And then he was like, I left her with you. And so they're like, oh my God. <laughs> so they, so they sp- It's like the Spider-Man thing where they're like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so they all split up to go find her. Meanwhile, the, the guy like throws her against the wall and he runs her through with his sword right through her chest. And she is dying. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was fucking devastated because the chapter that this 
this one is. It's basically like, I'm just going to show you. It's like her thoughts and it's just single words. It's like, it hurt. No. Cal, get up. No. Not like this. I'm not done. Not like this. Get up. It's like, oh my God. And it's just like, it's cut in between like, like talking about like how it feels to die. It was like, oh, she's like, this is not how I died. This isn't. She retched blood into the street. Something was wrong. It hurt. It, 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 it was it, fucking heartbreaking. Anyway, so then the last line is like, stay with me. She was so cold. Stay. It was the last thing she heard. So basically, Holland comes upon her first. He finds her first. And he gets there like just in time. And he does the like, because the Antari have that healing spell. He... Yes. He's, he does the healing spell for her. And Kel, like, in this third person, like, m inner monologue thing, he's like, if, if I'd gotten there first, if I'd gotten there first. And, and Holland's like, bitch, she's gonna, she's gonna be fine. I just did the spell on her. But then all these, all the, more of the copper thieves people come down and Holland and Kel are like, you know, bitch, you thought. And they fucking slaughter them. And I do mean slaughter. Is it like one of those, I mean, I don't mean to make it sexy since it's, it's you know, slaughter. Yeah. <laughs> but is it one of those things where you're just like, damn, my boys are back. Yeah, where they're like, my and also like, you're kind of like, because I think the way they describe Kel in that scene is very much, because he is like devastated about Lila, which I just, oh my God. I don't think, I don't think y'all understand how much Cal Marish has stolen my heart. Like I, oh my god! Welcome to my club. <laughs> yeah, right? It's it's so we get t-shirts. Well, and the, kill, but the killer part them. is, yeah, sure he's broken, but like, he's a tall, like red-haired, you know, like not my usual, but like his character is just so. Nothing sexier than, character than a guy who has a personality. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing that I saw on TikTok, I keep saying that, but like I, I sent this uh -huh. to you already. I think, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's like when you have a dark haired, either blue eyed girl yep. who has the personality of a brick oh my God, and has yeah. two guys fighting for it's her. Like and Bella, instantly I went, that is Chris. my least favorite um, thing. Yep, yep. Yep. There's fucking Rory Gilmore. Mm -hmm. Um,. I think Elena was yeah. in there, even though I don't think Elena has blue eyes. Uh -huh. um, uh, yeah. But regardless. I, it drives me, it drives me nuts. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, so um, they like slaughter the rest of the crew and Kel just like holds her and he just keeps repeating like, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, which made my heart break, break, break. Because I love him. <laughs> Is that when you texted me and you were like, Nicole, my bug. No. Okay. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. Because I I knew going into that scene that like I knew she was gonna survive somehow. So I was I wasn't too worried, but I was still like, oh. Another moment where I think I think Kel like sobs in that part because he's just like you know shit in his life is going fucking terrible and it's low key all his fault. Like. Oh, it's not his fault. He brought the original Black Rock to London. Which then... But it wasn't his fault. Someone gave it to I him. I know. I know. It was the Danes in theory. But then by proxy sent, you know, it's like a whole thing. And so he does, he feels very guilty. And he talks about that a couple times in this book. So then she wakes up. Oh, it says, she wakes up. And then I said, and I grow to love her and Kel even more. And also she's pissed <laughs> because she wants to, she wants to kill Holland 
and he just saved her life and she's like motherfucker like <laughs> god damn it yeah she's not pleased and then there's like there's also this thing like okay another example of like this writing like the two characters where it's just like their their relationship is very natural it's saying like they walked back to the ship and like cal he it said something along the lines of like cal had his arm around her waist even though she didn't need the help anymore you know what I mean? Where it's just like that closeness. And it's, oh, it's so sweet, Nicole. It's the opposite of the shit that I read the other days this week. Where that is just filthy. Just filthy, filthy, filthy. This was like... <laughs> where it was just filthy. Filth. Reading filth. filth. But it was also... If that's filthy, then I do not mind getting a little dirty. So, like... <laughs> um... Wow, <laughs> Well, I've been really trying, baby. baby. I'm so sorry I sound like a cat crying. (laughs) (laughs) So. (laughs) All right, ready? That was a disgusting laugh. (laughs) So, um, so, okay. So I'm going to turn to page 385 because here we have another example. Did you say what I think you said? (laughs) No, it's not 394. I said 385. But. So, Turn to page 300. Yeah, so this is another example of, like, the whole little Cal-Lila thing. So it says, Lila couldn't sleep. The fight kept spinning around her head, dark alleys and sharp knives, her heart racing until she was sure she would wake Cal. Halfway through the night, she shoved up from the cot, crossed the tiny cabin in two short strides, and sank against the opposite wall, one blade resting on her knee, a small but familiar comfort. It was late or early, that dense dark time before the first shreds of day and cold in the cabin, a time Nicole and I know very well. Um, because we are always up at that hour. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh... Let's see. She pulled her coat down from its hook and shrugged it on, shoving her free hand in her pocket for warmth. Her fingers brushed stone, silver, silver, and she thought of Alucard's words. You'll need a token to enter. Something valuable. She searched her meager possessions. She talks about the watch. Um, behind her eyes, she saw Baron's face. The night, the night she returned to the stone's throw, the smoke from the burning ship still rising at her back. Heard her own voice offering the stolen watch up as payment. She felt the peace. She felt... Ugh. She felt the heavy warmth of his hand as he closed her fingers over the timepiece and told her to keep it. She'd left it behind, though, the night that she followed Kel, more of a token of gratitude than anything, the only goodbye she could manage. But the watch still came back to her at Holland's hand, stained with Baron's blood. It was a part of her past now, and Holland and holding on to it would bring wouldn't bring him back. Lila returned the tokens to her coat and let her head fall back against the cabin wall. On the cot, Kel shifted in his sleep. So it's just another one of those things where, like, they're sharing a bed, they're, like, sleeping together and then she kind of talks about okay so then she says like overheard the muffled sound of someone walking on the deck the gentle slosh of the sea the rock of the ship her eyes were just drifting shut when she heard a short pained gasp she jerked forward alert but kel was still asleep it came again um yeah so then she goes to holland so then she goes to go talk to holland and she wakes him up and she's kind of like i'm fucking pissed that you saved my life and he's like what the fuck do you want from me bitch and she's like how (laughs) she's and she's basically she's like you killed my friend. Like, you killed Baron. He's like, we've all killed a lot of people for certain things. And also, like, you have to give him some credit that he was being controlled. And you kind of get that, yep. like, third person, like, first person point of view thing about when he became, like, for the first time controlled by Astrid and Athos. And yeah. it's pretty fucked up. Because basically they, like, started to control him. And then they just kept bringing in people and they were like, kill them. Kill them. 
killed him until they like broke his will down completely where he just stopped trying to resist. It's, it's really fucked up. And so basically he says to her, he's like, here's how many people I've killed to the exact number today. Because I saved your life. I had to have, I have to add like three more to it. And he goes, tell me Lila, how many people have you killed? And she's pissed because she can't answer. Like she's just killed people, you know, without, and she's, she's like, she's like, fuck, you're right. And here's where I FaceTimed you. So I'm just going to read you the section. Lila stormed back to her own cabin. She wanted to sleep, wanted to fight, wanted to quell the fear and anger rising in her throat like a scream, wanted to banish Holland's words, carve out the memory of the knife between her ribs, smother the terrible instant that reckless energy of danger turned to cold fear. She wanted to forget. Kel was halfway to his feet, coat in hand when she came in, wanted to feel. There you are, he said, his hair must from sleep. I was just coming to look for. Lila caught him by the shoulders and pressed her mouth against his. You, he finished, the word nothing but a breath between their lips. This. Kel returned the kiss, deepened it, the current of magic like a spark across her lips, and then his arms were folding around her, and in that small gesture she understood, felt it down to her bones, that draw, not the electric pulse of power, but the thing beneath it, the weight she'd never understood, in a world where everything rocked and swayed and fell away, as this was solid ground. Safe. Her heart was beating hard against her ribs, some primal part of her saying run and she was running not just not away she was tired of running away so she was running into Kel and he caught her his coat fell to the floor and then they were half stepping half stumbling back through the tiny room they missed the bed but found the wall it wasn't that far and when Lila's back met the hull of the ship hull of the ship the whole thing seemed to rock beneath them pressing Kel's body into hers she gasped less less from the sudden weight than from the sense of him against her one leg between hers her hand slid beneath his shirt with all the practiced grace of a thief, but this time she wanted him to feel her touch. Her palms gliding over his ribs and around his back, fingertips digging into his shoulder blades. Lila, he rasped into her ear as the ship righted, swung the other way, and they stumbled back onto the cot. She pulled his body down with hers, and he caught himself on his elbows, hovering over her. His lashes were strands of copper around his black and blue eyes. She'd never noticed before. She reached up and brushed the hair out of his face. It was soft, feathery, where the rest of him was sharp. His cheekbones scraped against her palm. His hips cut into hers. Their bodies sparked against each other, the energy electric across their skin. Kel, she said, the words something between a whisper and a gasp. And then the door burst open. Alucard stood in the doorway, soaking wet, as if he'd just been dumped in the sea, or the sea had been dumped over him. Stop fucking with the ship! (laughs) So they're like, (laughs) energy of them getting it on is like making the ship go like whoa 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 <laughs> that may be the best thing ever written i just love the like alucard stood in the door soaking wet as if he'd just been dumped in the sea or the sea had been dumped over him stop fucking with the ship it's written in italics too to like really seal the <laughs> okay here we go back to it Kel and Lila stared at him in stunned silence, then burst into laughter as the door slammed shut. They fell back against the cot, the laughter trailing off, only to rise again out of the silence full force. Lila laughed until her body ached, and even when she thought she was done, the sound came on like hiccups. Hush, Kel whispered in her hair, and that nearly set her off again as she rolled toward him on the narrow cot, squeezing in so she wouldn't fall off. He made room, one arm beneath his head, the other wrapped around her waist, pulling her against him. He smelled like roses. She remembered thinking that the first time they met, and even now, with the salty sea and the damp wood of the ship, she could smell it, the faint, fresh garden scent that was his magic. Teach me the words, she whispered. Hmm? He asked sleepily. The blood spells. She propped her head on her hand. I want to know them. Kel sighed in mock exhaustion. Now? Yes, now. She rolled onto her back, eyes trained on the wooden ceiling. 
What happened in Rosenall? I don't plan on letting it happen again, ever. Kel lifted himself onto one elbow above her. He looked down at her for a long second, for a long searching moment, and then a mischievous grin flickered across his face. All right, he said, I'll teach you. <sighs> this is when I got real sweaty. Okay. <laughs> His copper lashes sank. Apparently so did they. Yeah, right? His copper lashes sank low over his two-toned eyes. There's Ostravers to travel between worlds. She rolled her eyes. I know that one. He lowered himself a fraction, bringing his lips to her ear. And Ostashen, he continued, breath warm, to move within a world. She felt a shiver of pleasure as his lips brushed her jaw. And Ostasati, he murmured, to heal. His mouth found hers, stealing a kiss before he he said, Ostero, to seal. And she, and she would have let him linger there, but his mouth continued downward. Aspirata, his breath against the base of her throat to burn, and his hands, his hands sliding beneath the fabric of her shirt. Asanase, a blossom of heat between her breasts to dispel above her navel. Asteno, one hand unlacing the ties of her pants to break, guiding them off. Asus Orense, his teeth skimming to her hip bone to open. Kel's mouth came to rest between her legs and she arched against him, fingers tangling in his auburn curls as he rolled through her. Sweat prickled across her skin. She blazed inside. Her breath grew ragged. One hand clenched on the sheets over her head as something like magic rose inside her. A tide that swelled and swelled until she couldn't hold it in. Kel, she moaned as his kiss deepened. Her whole body trembled with the power. When she finally let go, it crashed down in a wave at once electric and sublime. Lila collapsed back on the sheets with something between a laugh and a sigh and the whole cabin buzzing in the aftermath. The sheets singed where she gripped them. Kel rose, fitting himself beside her once again. Was that a good enough lesson? He asked, his own breath still uneven. Lila grinned and then rolled on top of him, straddling his waist. His eyes widened, his chest rising and falling beneath her. Well, she said, guiding his hands over his head. Let's see if I remember it all. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> Well, and then might as well, there's like two, there's two little bits after. So, so then it's like the little, you know, a symbol to mean like some time has passed. And then it says they lay pressed. This is this, this part made my heart just be like, oh, um, they lay pressed together on the narrow cot. Kel's arm looped around her. The heat of the moment was gone, replaced by a pleasant, steady warmth. His shirt was open and she brought her fingertips to the scar over his heart, tracing the circles absently until his eyes drifted shut. Lila knew she wouldn't sleep, not like this, body to body in the bed. She usually slept with her back to a wall, usually slept with a knife on her knee, usually slept alone. But soon the ship was quiet, the small skiff rocking gently on the current, and Kel's breathing was low and even, his pulse a lulling beat against her skin, and for the first time in as long as she could remember, Lila fell well and truly and soundly asleep. I, I just, that whole bit, I was just like, oh. <laughs> It was, because first of all, it's like, it's so like deeply romantic. Like it, it's just, it's, it, I think it's a really well-written like sex scene in a book like this. That's primarily adventure with minimal romance. Well, yeah. even like book one, like they, they kissed what, twice, they kissed twice, but it was, it was not just like a, a little peck. Yeah. Um, exactly. Just to, you know, like be like a good luck kind of thing. Um, and so like that, I just thought was so like beautifully done. Because I don't know, it just like it just it just hit different. I don't. It just oh, this should be different. But also, like I think in that they managed to like keep their personalities and like at the same time in in the books, it hasn't been like a a romance. Like they talk about the romance, they talk about this, but that still felt natural. Like that felt like a thing that was going to happen. You know, it like it just it's it's well planned. It's well written. Anyway. Execution points, five. Yes. So when I put this in my phone, after you understand that, I said, 
all caps, holy fuck, I screamed the scene, the scene, page 387. <laughs> so welcome to my world. Yeah. So here we go. We're in the last stretch here. Um, I'm doing really well on time considering how long this book is. I just want to say. I'm actually really Thank impressed. you. Thank you. I like, I, I, okay. Well, let's see how we do in this last bit because there's a lot that happens. Right. So they go to this um, place called uh, Ferrace Strass. And meet Maris, who is the, like, owner of this black market ship thing. Um, and she she lets them go in. And basically they're like, which one of us is going to get the inheritor? And Lila's like, leave it to me. I'll handle it. And and Alucard's like, you cannot steal anything on this ship. You will literally lose your hand. Like, these these sh- this ship is warded to next Tuesday. Like, it's not going to fucking happen. It's warded until the, the day Yeah, died. exactly. Um, so Alucard goes into the ship. And it's like... You know when you go to... Okay, so there is this um, antique store where I'm from that's in an old furniture factory. And it's just floor to ceiling, just random stuff. It's huge. I mean, an old furniture factory just full of antiques and, like, vintage stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, this this was almost described like that, but, like, more magical, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alucard goes in, and, and they're all, like, kind of roaming about. And he gets this mirror and it's explained that most mirrors like magic mirrors will tell you your truth or like some version of the truth but this specific type of mirror will tell you the truth exactly as it was in the moment and so you're Mm. like why does he want this and then he is walking around and he sees something with like the silver thread light of Antari and it's Mm. this ring and he picks it up and he's like and he gives it to Kel and he's like whatever you're thinking about getting, get this. And Kel's like, I thought you want to propose to my brother. He's being a total douche. Um, and I kind of love it. Um, and Alucard's like, no, no, no. I can see the magic on this and it's Antari. Like, I just, I have a feeling that you guys should have this. Um, so they go and they, they go to go bargain with Maris who first Alucard and Kel go in and basically the cost of these things, she has like this device that takes away years of your life, like at the end of your life. And so for, she's like for Alucard for this thing, four years. And so it takes away four years of his life um, or ages him four years. And then this woman, she's lived for like ever because then she takes the years on herself and just can keep on living anyway. Mm. Um, then, so Alucard leaves and then Kel's there and she's explains that the ring is called a, like a, I think it's not a binding ring, but it's like, it's basically a connection ring. And so it can split off into sets and be worn by other people. And we'll get to that in this little next bit. Um, and they like, and they just like, it's not even like three rings that are like merged together. It's like one ring. And if I pulled this ring off and this ring stayed and another identical one came with it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, oh my God, I thought I just deleted my note. Um, that was scary. Um, she also says like, I remember you from long ago. We've met before. Your parents brought you to me to hand off to the king and queen of the marriage empire. And remember, Kel like has no idea who he is. Mm-hmm. And she's like, here's a note. Here's the information. If you want it, he ends up burning it. Cause he's like, this isn't who I am. Who I am is who I am now. Right. So this is just kind of a little thing. I'll just talk about it now because this doesn't really do anything for the rest of the book. 
both Lila and Kel, Lila doesn't know who her parents are. This isn't the kind of thing where you ever find out. It's just a fact of who they are. Which I also really liked. Where this wasn't some like, my father was this person, my mother was, you know, it's like, it's just like, great. I was an orphan. You were left with the king and queen. They're your family. What the fuck ever, you know? Um, right. It's like how that Meet the Robinsons thing at the end where he just doesn't like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so then, so Kel is, so she's like, I'll give these to you for, I think, three years. And so he's like, okay. And he does it. So then Lila goes in. And Lila's like, I want that thing you're wearing around your neck. I want the inheritor. And she's like, huh, funny you should come back with asking for the inheritor with the guy who gave it to me in the first place. And Lila's like, I just, I need it. It's important. Um, And the lady's like, so at first I was like, is she going to ask for years of Lila's life? Like, is it going to be one of those things? And And so the lady's like, the price of this is your eye. And Lila's like, I need it. I only have the one. And the ladies and Maris is like, no, no, no. I want the broken eye. Like, I want the glass eye. And Lila's like, okay. I mean, she's like, it's a small price to pay because it's shattered anyway. It's like a shattered right. glass eye. I just love the fact that she's like, I only have <laughs> yeah, one exactly. Fool. I need this one to see. She, yeah, she's like, she's like, are you fucking kidding me? Um, <laughs> but yeah. So she, so she's like, fuck it. Okay, I guess. And then Maris is like, but I'll give you something to replace it. And she pulls out this thing and she goes, these used to be all the fashion before people realized how dangerous it was to imitate Nantari. It's a fake eye that's solid black. Ooh. Right. <laughs> so she's like, this is for you. And Lila's like, well, I already gave you an eye. Like for the, I already gave you this eye for the thing. Like what's this going to cost? And she goes, Someday you're going to owe me a favor and I'm going to call on you for that favor and you have to come. Like, you have to do it. And Lila's like, fucking okay, you know? And then she looks at her. I'll never make that deal with someone. (laughs) Right. But the thing is, I'm just going to say it now, that favor never comes around in this book. And I'm like, Hey man, we already we've <laughs> talked about this with Caraval, man. There's gonna be other shit. We know it. Just, it's all it's all yeah, okay. gonna happen. So, um and then Ky- Kel or Lila like looks in the mirror and she's like, it looks so different, but it looks right. Like she's like, it looks like how it's how I was always meant to look. Anyway, mm-hmm. and so then she comes out and she's like, What's up? <laughs> like Kel and Alucard. <laughs> and Alucard's like, oh my god. <laughs> and Kel's like <laughs> He's like, that's hot. <laughs> Basically, like. <laughs> I love I love your impersonations of them because she's like, what's up? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Kel, Kel's like kind of into it. He's like, he's like, it's the same thing of like, it looked right. Like it looked like how she was supposed to look. Like, yeah. So it's like, Lila is now full Antari. And I love that she gets the black eye. Like that makes me very mm-hmm. happy. Um, So... Um, they find out that the ring, so they, so Kel's, so they're all looking at their little treasures that they got, and Kel's, like, in his mind, he's like, of course Alucard got a mere fucking narcissist. Um, (laughs) and and then, and so they're looking at the rings, and, um, 
they split them off and Cal puts one on and Lila takes the other one and she puts it on and all of a sudden they feel this tether between the two of them and he like can take some of her magic and use it as his own like temporarily like her power but she's like a little weakened and then she's like fucking that's mine and then like takes too much of his and he's like <gasps> like he's like oh my fucking god um and, she, and so and so then they ended up you know taking the rings off and Holland's like this is how we're gonna do it and they're like what are you talking about and so they break off into three identical rings and he's like we're all going to like have this connected power and that's going to draw us us Aaron in and then whoever and it's like this also they have this whole thing where like because basically whichever one of the Antari is the one who ends up using the they use the inheritor on won't just okay. it won't just be Osiris like sucked out of them. It'll be all of their magic. So they will yeah, be so like a just normal, be normal person now. Yeah. So and and Kel's like well, I don't like where this is going. Well, and so <laughs> you know Holland keeps being like let me do it, and Kel's like no. But then also Kel's like I'm not gonna let Lila do it. But then you know because she's so new to magic, and then but then also he's like I can't do it because rye you know if, if my magic's gone then rye will die but then he's like i can't let holland do it so this is big thing of like which one of us is going to do it and so they, they start right. practicing like balancing each other's magic and not taking too much and like kind of fighting together um and uh yeah so so they're they're practicing and they're practicing to use it on osaren and um, there is this moment where they talk about before they go into like the final battle where they're having this conversation and they're like, so which one of us is it going to be? And it's like, well, we don't know which one he'll pick, like which one of us he'll try to go for. And so Lila's kind of like, well, I guess may the best Antari win, you know, like so they, they kind of all have committed to the fact that their main goal is to stop this guy. And that's like at the end of the day, that's what they're trying for. Um, so on their way back, this OK, shit's about to get real, real. Real fast. Uh-huh. So on their way back, they're attacked. The ghost is attacked by this, these things called the sea serpents. They're assassins and like really mercy, like ruthless thieves. And they're the kind that, so basically the whole thing with them is they set their own ship on fire and then they board the other one because they're so ruthless that if you see the ship on fire, they... They burn their ship as a warning to you. We're coming and we're going to kill you. Basically. It's like really fucked up. So they hop on board and shit goes fucking crazy. And they're saying like, and the Caesar are saying like, we were told to kill the black eyed prince. And you're like, what? Yikes. And mind you, people are starting to catch on to the fact that Rye is connected to Kel. <laughs> um... And then Lila is like running around. She's like, oh my God. Because before this, mind you, she was, well, she was playing Sankt with Josta and she got a little way too definitely drunk and lost her boots. And she's like, she comes, she comes back drunk to her cabin with Cal and she's like, oh, what does she say? Hold on. I'm just going to, the one line. I think she says she walks in the door and she goes, hey, handsome. And I'm like. I love you. You're my favorite. And he goes, where are your shoes? And she goes, I lost them in a bet. And he's like, I'll be right back. And so then he goes and he brings back her boots. And she's like, how'd you get those? And he's like, I told her that she couldn't have them. Also, I gave her my shoes. And so now Kel's barefoot, which is just the cutest thing ever. 
And so they're I gave her my shoes. My shoes. <laughs> um and so so they're being they're kind of being sweet and then like she's like drunk and he's like Lila, you're you're drunk. Like we can't like fool around right now and she's like why not? Um and he looks up out the window and he's like there's a ship out there and she's like what are you talking about? And he goes it's on fire and they're like oh my god. Oh my god. Um that's when shit hits the fan. In the fray of the fire or of the fire of this thing going they kill lenos and yeet him no! yes, and they yeet him over the edge and then he doesn't deserve I, that he doesn't deserve that it made me really upset the section so this, justice for lenos so this is so this is <laughs> so this is like these books are cut into like 16 different sections i guess you could say we've talked about that before and this section was called um where is it death at sea and so you knew some shit was going to happen this this chapter or this section. Um, so then Lila finds Jasta and Jasta goes to go kill her. And Lila's like, what the fuck? And she goes, surprise, I was I'm like being paid to kill y'all. And she's like, I was waiting for the right moment or some something like that, which is why she got Lila drunk. And Lila ends up catching her anyway. And and Jasta's like. And so she's like, tell her what you did. And and they think that the Faroans, so the neighboring city, the neighboring empire, hired her right. to kill Kel. Oh, no. Because mm-hmm, she has a bag of, like, Faroan gems, the ones that are, like, in their skin. I think I talked about that before. Um, yeah. And and so she's got her tied up, but then, or, like, held down. I don't know, whatever. And then she goes, Jess is like, but, uh, you know, a serpent's job or, like, an assassin's job is, you know, seen through to the end. And she throws a knife at Kel. And he's, like, he's, like, because they're all exhausted from practicing this magic binding all day. And he's, like, I didn't know if I had the, if I had the, like, power, the energy to move to stop it. And it said the blade sunk home. And Hosta, or Hosta or Hosta, I can't remember jumped in front of the blade and sacrificed his life. The sweet little priest boy who's like, he's like, I'm great at growing flowers. That's literally something he did. And I was like, and he dies sacrificing his life to save Kel. And Kel just walks up and just slits Jasta's throat. And so they've lost two of their people. Most of the other crew that was on the ship anyway are dead now. And everybody's just fucking somber and they're making their way back to wait sorry I'm, I'm i'm okay yeah so they're making their way back to london now they're almost there okay prepare yourself okay i'm not but okay <laughs> also i have something for you at the end of this whole thing i have like something to tell okay, you i'm excited um back at you should be <laughs> um back at the palace Rai is trying to help the people the best that he can. So Tyrion and the priests, they put everybody in the city under this massive sleeping spell, basically. Because um, every night, Rai has been going out and trying to find more silvers. Because he's like, a, pr- a prince like doesn't stand watch in his tower. He goes out and he's with his people. And rye also does this thing where he goes every night now and now that the people are like all in this state of slumber he goes out every night and he just walks among them like 
putting like finding blankets in abandoned houses and like draping them over people and like just taking care of his people which is just but like none of them know and it's just a very sweet where you're like you can see the forms of like a future leader there that like he may not have any real magic skill but like he has a he cares for his people and it's like it's it's really it's endearing and it's like hopeful almost um so Rai then goes back to the palace Osirin has lost some power everybody's under the sleeping spell you know that Maxim the king is up to something that's like some sort of weapon you don't really know he was known as the steel prince before he became king when he was on like it was like called like blood coast i think it was like this big battle back when he was younger and he basically he goes to go say goodbye and it's something that he knows he's going to die from and he goes to go say goodbye to rye and amira the queen he's in his room writing a letter to amira because he can't find her in the castle cora the veskin princess comes in and she's like hmm, just the person i wanted to see and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like, yeah, yeah, knives, they're poisoned. He starts to, like, pass out. And this is only after he thinks the Faroans have, like, betrayed him. And so he puts them in their their keep or whatever. He's like, guard them. Anyway, so Cora, the Veskin princess, tries to fucking kill him. The Faroans come in and are like, bitch, you thought. And so it wasn't the Faroans that were trying to kill like the marriage empire it's the veskins yeah so those are the tall ones the, right yes correct the tall like blonde mm. nordic you know whatever well and you yeah. should i shouldn't say the veskins it's it's we'll get there um so maxim he's like luckily he's in his chambers and Tyrion has created this like tonic for poisons you know to like a reversal type thing so he's alive so maxim's alive but then cora goes um Cora, as she's saying, like, good thing my brother never misses his mark. And you're like, what? What? So Rai goes in and finds his mother in the glass ballroom. And they're kind of talking. And she's like, I can hear, you know, she's like listening to the sounds of the castle. And there's like, something's happening. I can feel it. Cole, Cora's brother, comes in. And he and like, Rai and Amira are standing there. And he... And Rai, like, jumps in front of Amira, and Cole runs him through with his sword, straight through the middle of his chest, through Rai. And Rai's just standing there. Fucking Rai does not deserve but, but this. But Rai's just standing there, like, bitch, you thought. And Cole's like, that's not possible. And Rai's like, oh, bitch, I can't die. He's <laughs> like, I feel the pain, but it just, like, fuels his, like, anger. So he fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. so then he takes his sword out and just, you know, straight through kills Cole. He then pulls the sword out of his chest and he hears a gasp from behind him. Oh no. Oh yes. His mother had like ran up to him like when the sword was being driven through and it went through her as well. And so Amira dies in her son's arms. What did Rai do to deserve this storyline? Just wait! If you fucking tell me that one more thing happens okay. to this poor so fucking here we boy, go. I'm quitting the podcast. So here we go. So meanwhile on the ship, the the 
they, they come along a line of like Veskin ships that are basically blocking the way for people to get through to like London. Yes. And Alucard's like, I can hold the fog here for as long as possible. You guys get on this little skiff and make it to make it to London, like go around them. And so they hop on the skiff and they're ready to start rowing. And Holland's like, this is no. And he basically like puts his hands down and he like, you know, in the Incredibles when Dash is like kicking his legs and they're speeding along that boat. It's like that. Um, and, and Kel and Myler are like, oh my God. <laughs> um, anyway, so they get through and I guess I, well, before Amir died, Maxim was like, he, he figured out that, or no, no, no. So Amir dies and then Maxim, he talks to the, he's like, bring me the, for, the Veskins magicians. And he's like, mm-hmm. send a letter to your, to your king and queen, tell them what the prince and the princess have done. And basically the princess is like, I'm sixth in line to the throne. There's nothing for me there. Like, I want my own throne, and so I'm going to get it, or whatever. She's such a little brat. Um, and so uh, he, the king is like, Maxim is like, okay, if tell them that like if they want war, this will lead to war if they accept that the, ki- that the kid's actions were those of the crown of the Beskin Empire. If not, then we will stave war off, you know, X, Y, Z. So they, they send they send them off to go do that. Then, so Maxim Marish, the steel prince, takes, hmm, this is really sad. He takes his, he basically has these like soldiers that he's crafted from metal that are like connected to him through blood. And he, oh. and he marches like through the palace with them. And he just says, and he says goodbye to Rye. And he's like hold hold fucking he's Rye like, doesn't deserve he's like, this he's like, hold him back and like the palace guard and the and the lord lord solinar the Faroan like em- emissary or whatever his name whatever that is um hold him it's an emissary it's an emissary like somebody who's like a royal like official okay yeah mm-hmm. you know how i know that because we have one in, book. <laughs> in my book. um yeah so he goes and he holds him back and king maxim steps out the doors and Osirin is there waiting, and he, he, um, King Maxim like draws him in, and and Osirin like goes into Maxim's body, and the the sword the swords are spelled, the same kind of thing that like halts magic for a minute that have been like in the other books, and as Osirin goes into his body, Maxim commands his guards to run him through with all the swords, so now King Maxim is dead. And Rye has now is now an orphan, in a matter of an hour. And also the fucking the king. king of the marriage empire. Yes. So. Um, fucking Rye did not deserve Rye did this. Not deserve this. So then Rye is like, uh, he like makes a couple plans or something, and he's like, all right. So Rye puts on his armor, and he goes to Osiris castle. Because. He, you know, he, what are you doing? Yeah, I know. And I was like, <laughs> um, he goes in and Osiran, like, they're in the skiff. Or, well, well, okay. So, so Osiran then takes Rye, covers him in ice, like, as like a shell, and then takes spears of ice and just shoots them through him and just holds him there. 
So he has like spears of ice, like slicing through different parts of his body, like one of those sarcophagi. This is Rai. Yes. Like Rai, Rai has this in him. Yes, okay. but he can't die. And then Kel starts right. feeling it, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Because you know they have that connection. Mm-hmm. Right. What the fuck is mm-hmm. going on? So, anyway, so so they're like, well, they go into they first they go into the palace, like the actual palace, and they walk in, and Kel just sees Amira and Maxim laid out on like a morning like slab and he's just like oh oh my oh my god because like when he left they were both alive and well and now they're both Mm -hmm. dead and rye is missing and he's like holy fuck Mm -hmm. um so they go they go to osarin's osarin's castle thing across the river on the river and they walk in, and the other day I watched this video that was like a darker or like shades of magic as vines video, and you know the one where it's like, and the two like come out of the sides. Somebody said like, the Antar, the three Antari showing up to stop Osaren, and I could not stop thinking about this as I read this part. So our squad rolls in, and I can only imagine the power of seeing all three of them. With their black and, like, colored eyes. And also, mind you, there's a blue eye, a brown eye, and a green eye, which I thought was fun. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, all black outfits, like, ready to fucking kill this bitch. They all put on their rings. And and also how the rings work is that the original can't be untethered from the other two until until they're taken off of those. So, like, the other two people have the control. So Holland is wearing the original, kind of as a thing for, like, Lila to be like, I'm not going to steal your power. Like, you will have the control, really, in this situation. Um, So they start fighting, and they are working in tandem. So, like, through this, like, ring, this connection, they can, like, kind of expect the next person's moves and feel the energy of all of them working in, like, one entity, like, battling with all the elements. I mean, it sounds like chaos. It sounds fucking crazy. Right. Um, and then Lila, there's a moment where she's like, she's like, I may not be able to control the ocean, but I can control the river. So she lifts the river up over and just drops it on the castle. And Holland's like against this beam. Osirin has blinded him like with this darkness spell. And he's like grasping around for stuff. And, and, and oh my God, it's, it's fucking chaos. It is fucking chaos. I mean, the battle's insane. And then... Kel, like, Lila distracts, I don't know, does something, and then Kel goes and runs for Rye, and then Osiris trying to get into Kel's head, and he's like, I can help your prince, and so he kind of, he lets Rye down from this ice thing, and Lila's like, bitch, the fuck you thought, and she's like, I'm gonna be the one to do it, I have to do it now, and so she, she pulls Kel's power from him, kind of, and... Osirin kind of turns towards her and he's coming towards her and Holland's like, as she, she goes to go like pull almost like force style, pull the inheritor towards her and midair it gets pulled towards Holland and Holland pulls the power from the other two. And he's like, come at me, bitch. And Osirin, he's like, he, and Osirin's like, I don't need permission to like enter you because you've already given me permission before and as he as he fully goes inside holland holland hits his hand on the thing and goes like give and all of his power is sucked into the inheritor and as he's doing that lila rips her ring off in time because mind you their power is still connected then but yeah cal has been like hurt or something and so he's like a fraction of a second late 
But luckily, Rye is there and he rips it off his finger. But now Kel has like a gray streak in his hair. Like one gray streak. Mm. I know. Um, And you're like, what the fuck? Anyway, it's like a bright flash of light. It looks like fireworks went off. And then all of a sudden, it's calm. And the castle's down. The river's red. And they're lying on the floor of the, the arena. Like where the castle was placed on top of. And the fog is gone from the city and just the people are sleeping below. And it, there's this like cool moment where they're talking about like legends and myths like are made because people see them and tell them. If somebody had seen this, they would have seen the the Antari being lifted, being one of the Antari being carried out. Then the prince and the other prince like walking out, but there was nobody there to see it. And so the legend died that day. You know, it was very, it's a very interesting way to write it. Um, but Holland, so Holland, he wakes up. Because, you know, all of his magic is gone. Yeah. But they did it. They stopped him. But mm-hmm. at what cost? Um, so Holland, he wakes up and his magic is gone completely. He's like, it feels empty. You know, it's, it's, it's so sad, especially knowing his backstory. Because, like, I mean, you can only imagine the pain that he feels. Because, okay, so just for example, he talks about the first three people he ever killed. The first was his brother when he woke up and his brother was trying to kill him to get his power. Mm. So he had to kill his brother. The second, after being alone for so long, he and this girl fell in love and they were like living together and he would get like wine and cheese for them and like they'd just like sit in their little like kind of dank, dirty apartment, but they were happy. And then one night he woke up and she was trying to kill him and he, he, she was like, somebody gave me a lot of money, so he killed her. You know, and so it's like his life is just awful, but he wakes up and he catches a glimpse of himself in the mirror of the, in the mirror and his hair has gone completely white. Like, right. So he's pale, you know, anyway, his hair is white and his other eye is no longer black. It is now a perfect match of his other green eye. So with all the magic being sucked out, his Antari magic gone, his eye has returned from black to normal. So, I I know. It was kind of like a, oh, fuck, moment. Because, I mean, that's so starkly different from the, like, dark-haired, green-eyed, you know. It's just, mm. Anyway, so, um, he asks Kel. So, the last section of this book is called Anoshe, which is um, Arnesian for, like, goodbye or, like, I'll see you soon. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, the whole last section, which is just fucking... Well, okay, the section before this, though, going into the battle, is titled Antari, and I posted that on my Instagram story last night where I was like, I'm not ready. Um, Mm -hmm. because it literally, I was like... So the last section was called Enoshe, and basically, Holland asks Cal, he's like, will you take me back to white London? And Kel's like, you don't have any magic. Like how will you survive there? And Kel's like, I don't, or and Holland's like, I don't think my plan is to survive there. I want to go home basically to die. I know. (laughs) And so Kel's like, okay. And then there's this part where he says like, they got up and, and Holland, he's so weak. He's using a cane, which is so fucking emo for me. Um, and because he, he really is a true um, anti-villain. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. mm, anyway. Um, so he, so Holland takes him back and they kind of stand there for a moment in the Silverwood, which is where like this 
magic, not this magic, this like woods where it's, you know, it's complete, it's silver, the trees are gray. And also now that Osaren's gone, the magic was once again leached out of white London. Like there's no hope, you know? Mm-hmm. So they say goodbye and then Kel leaves him and Holland sits down against the tree and he sits there and he dies. I know. <laughs> it's really sad. Um, so then it's a, yeah, I said, takes him back to white London so he can de- die. It's very sad. I cried. Literally exactly what I typed in my notes. So then, okay. you know, rise King now. Oh, mind you, Cora slit her wrists and killed herself. And the queen of the Veskin empire was like, they are yours to deal with however you want. Like kill them basically. Like those are not, those are no children of mine. Um, okay. like we do not want war. We want peace in our lands. Like that's what matters. Um, cause also the Faroan empire is like, we will stand behind you to fight the Veskins. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Alucard, here we go. <laughs> Nicole, you're going to love this. Okay. I'm ready. I'm okay. Ready. So Alucard comes in to say, and he's like, he's like, I requested a presence, you know, a, a the presence of the King Rye and He's like, he walks into the room and there's like other nobles in the room. And he's like, "Mm, I should have said private audience, (laughs) you know. Um, But he's like, okay, well, I guess it's now or never. And so he basically goes up to Rai and he takes the mirror and he's like, here's what happened the night I left you. Like that you think I left you. And you basically find out that Rai or yeah, Rai or Alucard went like left his rise bed to go like stop home for something or whatnot and when he got there he found out that his brother had been following him and was like so you're sleeping with the prince and told his father and they both beat alucard to the point of unconsciousness for being gay basically and then put him unconscious on a ship sailing another direction basically and was like do not come back and then he got, you know, so like it, it basically explains that Alucard was like, I want to be with you. I love you, basically. I I did not want to leave you. This was like not my choice. I, I've always wanted to be with you. You were my choice, basically. So Rai's like, you know, he's trying to be all kingly. And he's like, you know, I, I, Basically, it's my order that you stay here in Red London because since my brother will go off traveling, and you're like, off traveling? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to need a right-hand man, basically, like an advisor or like a guard or something. Or, And so then later, he's like, come to my chambers. And <laughs> they're together. And I'm like... We stand kings. We, I just, yes. Oh, my God. It made me so happy because you could just tell they're both, like, so happy. And you could tell that Rai has changed. Like, you can just you can just feel it. That, like, sure. he is the king. Like, it mm, it just makes yeah. sense. So then, uh, Lila. Yeah, so what happened with Lila and Kel? Huh? What happened with we're, them? We're getting there, Nicole. So, so first, Kel and Lila take the- I'm ready. Take the, okay, do you remember <laughs> Ned from Grey London? The little, like, cute guy who's like, yeah. I love um, this whole time there have been ghosts in his bar that are basically from like Black London, and King George 
at the end of this book comes barging in like what do you think you're doing i've heard you go and then he sees the ghost and he's like well on with your day and then he just leaves because he's a weenie little bitch anyway so kel and lila bring the inheritor to ned and kel's like i need you to keep this safe for me i need you to bury this in your cellar like this place stands in all in all versions of london like this should you know this is where it should be and i trust you ned because i know he like knows that ned doesn't like magic because he wants the power it's because he wants the the magic itself like the whimsy and the adventure and like the, yeah absolutely he just likes the idea that there's something more and and meanwhile lila goes up and she looks onto she like looks down at where there's like still blood spatter basically from where baron was killed and she has this like kind of moment like saying goodbye fully to her past life like completely and utterly just like it's it's done and so her and Kel leave the inheritor in gray london where there's no magic and she's like how do you know that he's not going to use it and he goes and Kel's like because i asked him to and she's like you're cocky whatever <laughs> um so they go back to red london and then you also find out that since Kel, like, you know, missed a second taking the ring off. Whenever he uses his magic, it, like, physically hurts him a little. Mm. Like, he feels pain. But he can still, like, use his magic. But there, there's something wrong, you know? It, it took something from him. Which means that Lila's the strongest now, which is kind of dank. Um, but also, like, I... Danky, danky. But also, I feel bad for Kel. Where he's, like, he... Yeah. It, it's hard. It's hard for him. But then he, like, calls back to the point when, like, Rai was, like, pain... To feel pain is to feel human, basically. Because when Rai was first saved by Kel and their connection was born, he, like, kept, like, holding his hand over flames to be, like, I just needed to know that I was real. And so there's kind of a nice moment there where he, like, accepts the fact that he feels this pain or whatever. So then Rai... Kel goes to see Rye, and he's, and basically you find out that Kel's going off to go travel the world, and Rye's kind of like, I wish I could come with you, and Kel's like, a city needs its king, and then Rye goes, a king needs his brother, and I wanted to cry, but then it says this thing of like, Rye knew that if he asked, Kel would stay, which was why he didn't, and so they both kind of like, say goodbye for the time being, you don't know how long. And then this part gave me such joy. So the last chapter, it's Lila's walking down the docks and she's walking up to the night spire. And as she gets up, like with her pack of belongings on her back, and as she climbs onto the ship, all the people start greeting her and they say, welcome, captain. So she's now the captain of her own ship which is what she's Yay. wanted from the very beginning. And then Kel catches up to her because he's coming with her and they're going to go explore the world together. And she's like, come on, hurry up, you slowpoke. You're going to get left behind. And he's like, ha, 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 okay. And so as they're pulling away from the docks, he looks up and he can see the small figure of Rai standing on the balcony and Alucard joining him. And Rai just like lifts his hand up to, say, to wave goodbye and... Kel does the same, and you just feel the, like, word, the meaning of a noche pass between them, and that is the end of the book. Okay, before you go into everything that you have, like, to say after uh -huh. this, I have to ask you a question. Yeah. Do you know that it's going to be a movie? <gasps> what? <gasps> what? <laughs> what? 
say. So I'm going to read this to you. Okay, Nicole, ready? I, no. This is, this is on. This is on the Shades of Magic wiki page. <sighs> production on February 3rd, 2016. It was announced that Gerard Butler's production company, G Base, acquired the rights to adapt the Shades of Magic series as a limited TV series. However, a late a year later, on February 24th, 2017. It announced that with a movie would be produced instead. With the help with producer Daniel Robinson, V.E. Schwab had already written the pilot script. With that format change, Schwab has has become one of the producers of the movie. On September 23, 2019, Schwab and an extensive had an extensive and quite successful meeting with the movie's screenwriter. Writer. On October 3, 2019, the movie's screenwriter was announced, Derek Kolstedt, the creator of the John Wick franchise. There is a possibility that A Gathering of Shadows and Conjuring of Light may be adapted to movies as well. And then some trivia for you. A script for the movie was already written, and V.E. Schwab stated that it is magical. V.E. Schwab went to Los Angeles to meet with producer Daniel Robinson to discuss the project. While in Los Angeles, Robinson gifted Schwab an antique map of London. I don't know if you can tell, but I have tears in my eyes right now. I knew you didn't know. I, I wasn't sure, well, but I, I hoped you didn't know. talked about it last know. week about how I was like, if they're going to make one, I want to be involved. Yeah. So they're making Fuck, one. I gotta get my shit together. <laughs> wow. I, I have actual, like, my eyes are wet. Like, oh my God. I'm, I'm nervous and ex- I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I don't know how to feel. You know what I think will be good for it, though, what? is that it'll get a lot of notoriety, and it deserves yeah, it, that. It absolutely it, does. Th- this kind of book deserves well, and it. I, I'm, a, I'm a little so annoyed that they're not doing it as a TV series, because it. it definitely should be an I HBO know. series, but whatever, you can't always win. I just, I just, my, my biggest, my biggest fear is that they're going to cast Kel and Lila wrong. That is my, I have. Well, you have her already involved, so maybe they won't. Huh? I. You have V.E. already like, involved as producing and stuff. And writing, so. Oh, my God. I just got so, my hands are so sweaty right now. Because, like, if if they do to this, because I'm trying to think of, like, the book adaptations I've liked. It's been few and far It's between. Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings, and that's it. Shadowhunters sucked. But let's sucked. talk about the final thoughts. Let's Shadowhunters final sucked. Thoughts. Fucking. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I want to talk about it. Let's talk about my final sucked. thoughts. <laughs> oh my God, so... Hunger Games wasn't great Hunger either. Hunger Games was not good. Divergent was mediocre at best. <sighs> yeah. Anyway. I got to start final a Twitter thoughts. campaign. Final thoughts. Get your encompassing thoughts I... all together. Lay it out. I, I want to, I want to, I put this book down and I just went, mm, and now all I want to do is start them over again. I feel that way right now about what I'm what yeah, we're gonna talk about today I, with mine. I, I you have a book hangover. I it's do. okay. It's, it's literally it's beating my ass. It's I loved these books so unbelievably much. I I, I like they make my heart happy. Yeah. I, oh my god if a book can make your heart happy, that book is I, I know we talked about this, you and I over the FaceTime. Uh-huh. And you should you should say it yourself. Yeah. But do you feel that this has taken the place as your favorite book? I do believe that the Shades of Magic trilogy has dethroned himself by Jess Kidd as my favorite book. I don't know which one of these is my favorite. Mm-hmm. That so I'm just counting them as one entity because the I, the story. Yeah, that's okay. But I do believe that it has dethroned Jess Kidd. 
do you feel like you'll reread these again within the next year? 100%. One hundred percent. One hundred. Well, and I was saying to you the other day, like maybe not some parts of this last book, you know, a la the one scene when they're in the cabin. But I was saying like the first book is the kind of thing that like if slash when I have kids someday, it's like that kind of fantasy book that you'd read to your children, like Lord of the Rings yeah, or like Harry Potter. It felt like that to me, even though it was like, even though it's adult fiction, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it's one of those stories that you want to like pass on to people because it it's, it's, it's multi-generational. It's, it transcends time and like it's, it's style and how good it is. I just, I just love it so fucking much. Like talk to me about the talk to me about the world building because I know that was one of uh, the biggest things that you loved about yeah this. so the first one especially I talked about it but like it, it felt so real like yeah. it like I could see every element like every everything that I was being shown was so unbelievably vivid but also yeah. the concept of doing four parallel universes like parallel Londons. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it, it was such, it's such a unique concept, but yet it's rooted in something that we know. Right, exactly. We know London and we know magic. But at right. the same time, it's something that, like, nobody else has really done. It's nobody's done this. It's, it's so good. And, like, the stakes were real and the pain right. is real and the characters all are, like, I can, t- I could probably write, like, a small paper about every single character and like their motives and what they believe and like who they are down to like even Ned, you know, like the little, right. like it, it's, it's so this, this book is so beautifully built both in terms of setting story and character that it just melds together to create like the perfect combination of a fantasy book. It, it is, Oh, if you could tell, if you like go mm-hmm. meet V.E. Schwab, you know, yeah. like if we went to a book signing uh-huh. and you met her, what is the one thing that you're going to thank her for? And what's the one thing that you're going to ask oh her? Oh my God. Even the thought of that makes me want to cry right now. Because like, it's it literally, it's like, you know, when you get the, I mean, you, you know, when you get those books that just like speak to you that and tear everybody, your heart to yes, shit. Yes. <laughs> and like, and having, and ha- it, it, it hits in a way that a movie doesn't because yeah, I, I agree. and here's, here's why I think that. Because sure, you can watch a movie on your own, but there is distance between you and what's happening on the screen. When you, yeah. it's so when people talk about you have personal stakes in yes. the book, whereas well, in a movie you necessarily yeah, don't. Yeah, and also when like okay, so this isn't a weird way to put it. When people talk about scrying, where you like are looking so deep into something that your like mind like wanders off and you kind of go into a meditative state, there's something about getting so sucked into a book where it's almost like you're seeing a movie because your your eyes are just reading what's on the page but immediately it's it's just showing in your head like because you just get so sucked in and this like these books i i just i don't even mm, they're so they're they're they're, oh my god what was the question (laughs) you could ask ve schwab one thing what would it be and then what would you tell her when you like saw her oh my god if i could ask her one thing I okay. I think probably what I'd ask her is I'd want to know the very first thing that came to her. 
Yeah, like how it like how it first because like like came to be like how J.K. Rowling was sitting on a train and she thought of like a boy on the way to school in to a magic school on a train like that was how Harry Potter started, and I would want to know, like, huh? I was gonna say or like our secret project. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Where it's just like that one. Like I would want to know what that first thing was. Like, did she think of like a race of magician that can travel between worlds? Did she think of having parallel Londons for you know like? What was the first, what yeah. was the thing that sparked what is now my favorite book series? Like, I want to know, yeah. like, because, because I'm experiencing it now at the end, like at its full circle ending of me as the reader taking it in and loving it. But I want to know yeah. like where it started because I, yeah. I, I like to know, a full, I like to know the full picture and I feel like that. And I think that's why you and I both almost like we treat the authors that we love as like celebrities. Because to us, do they are as celebrities. It's not just like, oh, thanks for your book. It's like, they are their book. Like, yeah, to me, like people like AC Goffin, who literally mm-hmm. will like some of my tweets and yeah. stuff like that, and like even Amy Carter, like Amy, if you still listen, yeah, well, right. <laughs> um, but the amount of times that I've tweeted at Amy Carter and had her like something, and me physically freak out over it, like to me and you mm-hmm. too, we both have this huge respect for the authors that we all like adore of their books because not only Mm -hmm. are we transported into this beautiful Mm -hmm. world of wherever whatever it is we are thrust into Mm -hmm. like so much conflict and love and lesson learning and like all of these things that we're looking to entertain mm -hmm. ourselves with well and also so we respect yeah i also feel like especially just with books in general, which is, I I think people who read a lot as kids who read into adulthood and just read for fun, they're and read and continue to read fiction as adults because that's a thing. I find that yeah. so many adults stop reading fiction; they read like informational I books I only, agree. and it drives me nuts because like fiction is the best. But I feel like people who read so much because you're experiencing all these emotion, emotions firsthand with these characters, you grow like a new level of empathy because. Yep. all the time you're getting into these heads and growing and connecting with these people who don't you know exist but you feel their pain and you understand and like you're 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 when you read you are introduced to so many types of people that you will never meet in your life firsthand and it grows your empathy for the world and for everybody and I just I love that and then the thing I would say to her yeah I, you know, I would think, you'd think that I would say something about, like, the whole, the book, you know, I would, like, you know, I'd say, like, I, the book series literally, like, is my favorite of all time. It dethroned my favorite book. Like, yeah. it, it, there, it's, it's truly the book that I feel like I could reread again and again and again. But I feel like I'd also just want to say something about, like, the characters, specifically yeah. Kel and Lila, but specifically Lila. Yeah, because, be like, thank you for giving me a character who actually felt like me. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, obviously, don't get me wrong. I'm not a fucking thief. You know, I'm sometimes I can be a little bitch, but I also know that I, when it comes to fight or flight, I have a strong fight response. And like, the, like, I, I don't know. I just, I just, mm, like, that character just spoke to me. Also, I think it's important for us to note here, too. Mm-hmm. We're not saying that there aren't characters out there that are not like me and Madison. Because there are. Yeah. There's a ton. Mm-hmm. And we know that there is underrepresentation in a lot Absolutely. of other, like, 
cultures, mm-hmm. communities, yes, peoples, for sure. all of those things. Um, it's just that this is one of the first characters Madison's related to on such a hardcore, such a hardcore level, level. So we're excited about like, it because, and not just and not just in a in a like um like a personality way, but also in like a she's taller and and you know the dark eyes and the dark hair that she wears to her shoulders, which is how I wear my hair. Whereas like I felt like I was, you know, you know when they say like draw like you you write when you write your character because a lot of people they base their characters off of themselves you write your character how you wish you were like yeah like subconsciously that's what you do this character felt like i had written how like my best version of me does that make sense yeah so with that (laughs) should i give it a rating yes i rate a Conjuring of Light, the last book in the Shades of Magic series, for now, hopefully, um, five out of five. And so the series overall gets five a... Five out of five, because every book was a five out of five. That's wonderful. Yep. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So today, everyone, I am so unbelievably happy <gasps> to be talking about my new favorite book series as well. <gasps> Did I... it dethrone? I think it does, and I don't want to, like, I don't want to say that Scarlet will never be, like, one of those series that I won't read over and over again. It's similar to, like, the Goddess Test and stuff, Mm -hmm. but I genuinely think, as of right now, A Court of Thrones and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, the whole series, is my new favorite series of all time. Wow, this episode is the dethroning. This is Game of Thrones. Maybe we'll title it, maybe we'll title it The Dethroning. Yeah. Wow. Um, Okay, go, (laughs) hit me with it. So... Let's talk about this for a second. Uh, Madison and I, I we only started reading these because of TikTok, right? I yes, would say yes. Yes, because, no, no. We start, okay, so Nicole and I the other day, we were on Pinterest and we found this artist. I think we talked about it last episode. We found this artist who drew these oh, amazing, yes. amazing pieces of art, digital art. And she did yes. a bunch of Resand and Feyre ones. Which yes. I guess is kind and of a for this some... book, but also if you're in the YA community, you know. You know? Yeah, if you haven't read this book yet, oh, goodness gracious, you are in for a fucking ride. Yeah. So, like, we we were, like... They were some dirty we were, picks. There was, there, was, there was one slightly NSFW drawing where we were, like, what? And it said, I yeah. love this scene in the book or something. And we were, like, what? And, granted, you also have, you also have to know that, like, Madison and I have both read Throne of Glass. Yeah. Both well, of us were like, it was good. I'm on chapter well, 41. <laughs> Apparently, I never finished it. I intend to. I have the original copy of Throne of Glass where, like, the cover's not Your even cover is the, like, like a photo co- of like, a girl. It's the original cover. Yeah, it's not even the cover that everybody else has now. It's, like, the original cover because I got the book. Literally, I have, like, the first edition of it mm-hmm. from 2012. Yeah. Um, so I've read the series or read the book. I haven't read the whole series. Madison has read most of the book. <laughs> Both of us were just like n- nothing against Sarah J. Moss. Yeah. We just weren't. We just hadn't gotten around to getting this book. No. And at, well, at no point in time did anybody and I'm not convince gonna us lie, that we needed to read it until time, then. I thought they were all the same series. <laughs> so did I. So did I. And now I know that Crescent City's not the same yeah, series. So, like all of these things well, that we're and learning also, about I feel Sarah like J. Maybe, Moss, my new Lord and Savior. <laughs> I also feel like maybe knowing the tones in this book, maybe they, yeah. they're reflected in um, Throne of Glass, and perhaps I wasn't at the right maturity level to be reading that. I w- yeah, maybe I feel and the so same And so I'm, I'm wondering if that was maybe the case, but also... No, I was just going to oh. say that, like, I, you know, one of my friends told me, um, Carly, I don't, I think Carly listens mm-hmm. to the show, 
um, when I had gotten the book because we had seen the thing, we we're like, you know what? Fuck it, we're right. gonna read it. Like we've been we'd been talking about. Yeah, I think we both the ordered it within I was like, like a day of each other or something. Yeah, I think we both ordered it within a day. I got it on, a, on through an Amazon order mm-hmm. when I bought Onyx and Ivory mm-hmm. and The Shadow Between Us, which I'm gonna read for the pod in like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I posted the photo on my bookstagram with this as like the main one because I knew that this is a big popular yeah. book in the YA community and I was hoping to get some traction, which I did. But Carly reached out to me. She's like have you read the book yet? And I was like, no. She's like, you are going to love it. If you like the romance of like, you know, LJ, like LJ Shen and all that, all the stuff like Megan March. She's like, you are going to love this book. Plus it's got the fantasy Mm -hmm. fae element, which you're big into fairies right now. So up far up. (laughs) right now. Oh yeah. (laughs) I just finished like two weeks ago. Maybe I just finished Cruel, the Cruel Prince series, like all of mm-hmm. them. Um, may, we'll probably do them on here as a joint. Yeah, thing, I think but, so because I have them and I'm, I want to read them. Yeah, they're so, so, mm-hmm. so good. But anyway, so this is a Court of Thrones and well, Roses by Sarah J. Bass. Yes. I was also going to say, just in regards to like the, you know, if you like the LJ type stuff, we were also, you yeah. and I were also talking about the other day because this is housed under YA. And we were talking yes. the other day about YA has been skewed to mean for teenagers. But yeah. young adult, Nicole, I mean, young adults is like up till 30, I would say you're a young adult. You know what I mean? Probably, yeah. And so I feel like this sort of book is is young adult in the sense that it's like 17 to like 27. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was good. I'm looking to see if there's any like age mm-hmm. thing on here. Um, but I know it's I know it's from Bloom um, Bloomsbury YA, which is in New York. And no, nothing, nothing that it puts an age thing on it. But listen, guys, if you're, if you're not into, and we've talked about the sexually explosive content on this show. I mean, show, I literally just the described the somebody giving somebody oral when I read my book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we always talk about this. And if you're, you know, mm-hmm. feeling a little like this is out of your comfort zone, it's okay. Yeah, don't, don't go reading something that you're not ready no. for. Read it eventually, you guys. This is really, because really good. And plus, I'm going to tell you the whole story anyway, so <laughs> it does not going to matter. Yeah, well, should, you should have read the book. <laughs> As we yeah. always say. Also, Madison hasn't read the book yet, but she's still going to read it. A- it's like how abs- you've already told me Alex, Onyx, and Ivory, and I'm Well, I mean, for example, you literally told me Vicious, and now I've hurled my way full speed ahead through all of the, like, Toto Santos, All Saints High, Sinners of Saints book. And you get a different, you get, honestly, you get a different perspective on the book when you, when read, you read it. it yourself. It's so different, because if a book was meant to be t- two, you know, two hours... They wouldn't take days to read sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like, it wouldn't take hours to read. There's so much more right. than what we're talking about. This is for each yeah. other. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let me say, as of recording right now, I am through this book, mm-hmm. the next book, and then about uh, – 200 pages into the last book there's also another one that's like a companion one and i know there's more books uh-huh. coming out so i don't know this will probably be one of those things where i'm continuing to talk about these mm-hmm. um but as of right now i'm gonna make comments about people in these because i already know things and i just right it's I, like, it's I, like, I already knew this before even it's opening like when the book, i'm like so. i'm like oh a bitch <laughs> like i do that a right, lot right i'm a big fan yeah. of that okay so I'm going to read the yes, back. So it. the top says, she stole a life. Now she must pay with her heart. When 19-year-old Huntress Feyre kills a wolf in the woods, a beast-like creature arrives to demand retribution. Dragged to the treacherous magical land she knows 
a bow only from legends, Feyre discovers that her captor is not an animal, but Tamlin, one of the lethal, immortal fairies who once ruled their world. As Feyre dwells on his estate, his, her feelings for Tamlin transforms from icy hostility into a fiery passion that burns through every lie and warning. She's been told about the beautiful, dangerous world of the Fae. P.S. Fuck Tamlin. Um, <laughs> if you like Tamlin, you're trash. <laughs> If you come if you come out in my DMs and you tell me you're shipping Phelan, walk out now. Leave. It's not worth you're it. Not I won't here. fight you. I will just cross my arms and leave. Anyway, but an ancient wicked shadow over the fairylands is growing, and Feyre must find a way to stop it or doom Tamlin and his world forever. Do it, so. doom Tamlin. Do it. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. So. <laughs> So here's the thing, although that would have doomed everybody else. So the book starts off with Feyre. Like it says on the back, she's 19. But for the last, like, five years of her life, mm-hmm. she has been taking care of her family so they don't starve. Mm. Her mother died when she was young. Like, I, I don't remember exactly the age they said, but her mom made her, the youngest of all of the children, promise to take care of the entire family. Ugh. And Feyre was like, I don't know if she did that because, like, she was just kind of, like, crazy with fever or, like, if it was, like, this purpose that she had right. for me, whatever. She also says that her mother was kind of neglectful to- towards her because we learned right off the bat that, like, Feyre is not like her sisters. Um, she doesn't know how to read. She, I, What up? She's 19 and she doesn't know how to fucking read? learn how to read. What up? My name's so, Feyre. I'm 19 and I never fucking learned how to read. read. It's a great TikTok about that, by the way. Yeah, got diagnosed with cool guys. Now I take Adderall. <laughs> so she doesn't know how to read and she doesn't really do anything. She loves to paint. So we get to learn that about her, too. Um, she painted her sister's drawers that they, like, they share this house. Mm-hmm. I'm getting too far ahead of myself. But essentially, her father was this, like, merchant. And he made a bad money investment. And these ships that were supposed to go, like, across the continent um, didn't make it. And so debt collectors came. They beat him, like, broke his legs pretty oh much. God. And then he really didn't heal from it. So he just didn't do anything. Oh, like, no. he – and then she's got older sisters who were used to this life of luxury. And um, eventually, the, all the money runs out. So Feyre was like, in order for us to not to starve, I'm – gonna go take care of my family Mm -hmm. so she goes and learns how to hunt on her own like she's never had any training for that she literally just goes out there and she like talks about killing like her first animal which is like a bunny and she cries about it all this horrible stuff having to do that at 14 is crazy (coughs) um sorry but the thing with the painting is it's okay (laughs) the thing with the painting is is like she she painted her they have like this house it's like shack almost Mm -hmm. and they have the one room for her and her sisters her sisters Mm -hmm. and her share a bed um, she's got an older sister named Nesta and a, an older sister named Al- Elaine. Nesta's the eldest. Mm-hmm. Um, so the three of them share a bed. They share this little, like, art, like, dr- like dresser, mm-hmm. I guess. And she painted each of their drawers Aww. to, like, represent Cute. them. So, like, Elaine's has, like, garden and flowers on it. I can't remember what the fuck Nesta's is because as much as I love Nesta, like, she's a whole fucking bitch throughout most yeah. of these. Um and then Feyre paints, like, the night sky on her. So when we start the book, she's in the woods and she's hunting. Basically, she says that yesterday she said, the family Gratata. ran out of food. Gratata. <laughs> her family ran out of food. And she's like, if I come back empty-handed, it's just going to be bad. And she can feel, like, her stomach, like, growling. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm so hungry. Um, so she gets close to this thing. This, this It's called the wall. But she gets close to this this wall while she's hunting. And we kind of learn that like 500 years before what's happening now in the book, there was this huge war between the mortals and these like the, the mortals and the, the fairies. So the humans and these fairies that have like, you know, magical powers. Mm-hmm. So 
Um, at the end of the war, this treaty was drawn up between the mortal the mortal queens and the like lords of the fairies, and they have this treaty that put the wall in place so that the two species wouldn't like kill each other because up until that point, the fairies had been like killing humans and humans were like terrified and like all of this shit was happening. So she's in the woods, she's near this wall, she sees a doe, and she's like, great, food, fantastic. Mm-hmm. So she goes to kill it, and she spots this wolf in the, in like the, in the background. Yeah. And she's like, oh, fuck. If this thing eats this, I'm screwed. Like, we're, my family's screwed. Like, there's nothing else in these woods. It's mm-hmm. winter, so there's, like, really nothing out there. Um, so she's looking at it, and she's like, I don't know if it's a fae or not. Because, like, at this point in time, there are still some fairies that will come over across the wall and, like, kill people. Right. And there are some fairies that can, like, transform. Mm-hmm. She's like, I have no clue if it's fae or not or if it's just regular wolf. And she starts to, like, convince herself that I it's, mean, like, a regular wolf. I mean, meat is meat, am I right? Right, so she's trying to convince herself that it's a regular wolf, and exactly, and so she is watching the wolf get ready to like go kill the deer, and so she is like, "All right, if it's a regular wolf, regular wolf or not, I'm going to use this ash arrow, which is one of the only things that can apparently kill Faye." She's like, "I'm just going to use it just in case." Mm -hmm. So she pulls it out, she strings it, she kills the guy, the the the, the fucking wolf, Mm -hmm. and um, she basically looks at it, and the thing looks at her, and it looks like it's like. It's being, it's okay with dying. And then she takes a regular arrow and shoots it in the eye and it dies. It, like everything's fine. It dies. Then she kills the doe. Everything's good. <coughs> mm, yummy, she skins yummy. the wolf for the pelt. She takes the deer back so they can have all the meat and the other pelt. Um, so then she goes home. She gives them the food. We meet Nesta for the first time. And Nesta literally is, when you meet her for the first time, and I know that Sarah J. Moss had talked about this in interviews and like I've read the trivia on it. Her main purpose as the character to start was the evil stepsister kind of part. So, like, her being a bitch was always kind of that Mm -hmm. kind of knowledge. Um, Nesta and Elaine were so used to their life of luxury that neither of them really wanted to do anything. So, like, Faye was like, will you please go out and chop wood? We need wood. And Nesta's like, I don't want to. And she's like, Nesta, it's not an option. I need you to go do this. I literally just hunted. Like, please just go fucking do this. And Elaine is no better personality of a brick um (laughs) sorry uh i mean she's getting better in the last book but regardless um so she you know she's getting upset with nesta and her and nesta have it out all the time nesta seems to resent her father and seems to resent feyra all the same Mm. um feyra kind of thinks that it's because she thinks her father should be the one taking care of the family but really all he's doing is like whittling these tiny little creatures and not really making any money Mm -hmm. and like just kind of you know being this well, I don't really know how to like describe him. He yeah. just he doesn't sound like the best. Like you might be a little but out also of circumstances. It like, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, life Elaine's... took a fat shit on him. So exactly, mm. Elaine is like sweet, kind, but she's very naive. Like you can tell. Um, Nesta even like talks about I think the day that she get, like brings home the food. Nesta's like, I'm getting married to this fucking guy from town, and Feyre's like, you, No, you're you not. done. What? We don't have the money. No. We don't have yeah. the money for that. Like we can't. I can't. Don't even have a dowry. Um, but in her head, she's like, that guy's a fucking piece of shit. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she brings home the food. They eat it. They save a lot of it too. They mm-hmm. like you know they they freeze dry a lot. They make like food like pies and stuff. Um, and then the next morning, she takes the pelts into town to get money for us so they can have some money to buy additional things if needed. Feyre needs a new pair of boots, but her sisters are just like, I want a new cloak. I want this. I want that. And Mm. Feyre, not able to basically do much, she does (coughs) give money to both of her sisters. It's okay. She does give money to both both of her sisters. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not a whole lot, but... But it's something. 
regardless. <laughs> they, they get money to do that. They also, while they're there, they are... They encounter these people called the Children of the Blessed. Mm. And they are, like, these radical religious humans who, like, worship the Fae that live beyond the wall. Mm. They, like, think that they are, like, you know, gods and, like, that they are going to have, like, all of these things <clears throat> mm-hmm. happen for them. And a lot of them, I guess not a lot of them, but few of them will go across the wall, which they shouldn't do, and never come back. Mm. And so they're, like, a lot of the people who are not obsessed in this Children of the Blessed mentality believe that they're just sacrifices and that the fae kill them so like what the fuck happened mm-hmm. right so none ever come back um we also learn here that like mortals use iron to protect themselves oh, from that's fae common. and that like fae can lie like, theory about fae right um but eventually we learn that that's both of those things mm-hmm. are not true so it doesn't really matter uh Feyre sells the clothes like Feyre sells the uh the things the pelts and she gets these gives the money to Nesta and I think they end up getting like a cloak or something. I can't, it's something cheap, but also we briefly meet Feyre's like lover. I guess you could call mm. him is just some guy that she's had like a thing with for a long time. Um, just a casual mm-hmm. roll in the hay is basically yeah. what she said. Mm-hmm. His name is Isaac. Um, she also learns that like he's getting married soon. So she's like, whatever. It's not that it's yeah. not the end of the world. I don't care. Like, like I have no feelings yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's just, it's a release. Mm-hmm. Um, we also learned that <coughs> Nesta's, like, if, the, if Nesta goes to marry this guy, mm-hmm. it's, I guess the guy and his father, or just the father, are, like, pretty abusive. Oh. So, like, Feyre's like, don't, don't marry do him. So, either later that night or maybe that week, this horrible-looking creature, <coughs> like, just storms oh. in to Feyre's yeah. home. And... That fucking thing is like literally. I don't even know how to describe it. They said it has like these long curling horns mm-hmm. and like this like lion like face and just very like beast kind of mm-hmm. ugh, like. Um. So he that thing is like by the laws of the treaty, you've killed a fae. So that wolf was a fae. That was my friend. Mm-hmm. You've <clears throat> killed a fae, and now your options are: um, I can either kill you. Uh-huh. Or you can come live with me for the rest of your life. A life for a life, essentially. So her father's like, go, don't look back, go, like, we'll be fine. And Nesta and Lane are just sitting there, like, crying and, like, not doing shit. No one really does shit, by the way. Right. I'm going to go live over there. Uh, It takes them two days to get to this fucking thing's house. Uh Um, And eventually he, like, transforms back into, like, this flesh and bone kind of thing. He's a fae, right? He's high fae is what mm-hmm. she knows. So there's two different types of, like, fae. There's high fae, which typically have, like, the magical abilities. Um, they're in this world, which is called... Hold on, wait. I don't want to pronounce it wrong. I think it's called Prithian. Prithian. Yes, Prithian. Um, in their world, the hierarchy basically is, like, you have high fae, and then you have lesser fairies. Mm-hmm. And so, like, mm-hmm. high fae are more just... Noble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um... So she learns that this guy's name is Tamlin, and they're in this place called the Spring Court. Mm-hmm. So at the manor house, like, Tamlin's like, yeah, I can shapeshift. Uh, you know, I'm high fae, blah, blah, blah. And then we meet his friend named Lucien. Lucien. Oh, my Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucien is, like, he's different. So Tamlin is, like, blonde, very green, like, springy. Oh, and then Lucien, right. And Lucien is, like, more autumn which mm. we learn he's part of like the autumn court mm-hmm. so like it makes a lot of sense he's got these like d- like stunning red hair 
but they all have to wear these fucking masks. And you're like, what the fuck is all these masks? So, like, he, uh, I think Tamlin's wearing this one that's, like, I don't remember what it looks like. But I know Tamlin's is, like, a fox mask. Mm -hmm. And it's just all these different, and everybody in this house, all the servants, everybody on the grounds are all wearing these fucking masks. And you're like, what the fuck? And Feyre's, like, asking what, what all this is all about. And they explain that there's this blight that has taken over the land. And um, it's basically a curse that has been put upon them for the last 50 years. So they've had these fucking, like, masks on for, like, 50 oh years. Um, Lucian, by the way, is emissary to the Spring Court. He's, like, we'll kind of get into, like, all the semantics of, mm-hmm. like, all of these, like, courts and stuff. But his father is the high lord of the autumn court but he's like the seven he's like the last son there's like seven of them or something like that Mm -hmm. and the way that you take over as high lord is that you like either kill your brothers or you come into like you're the one that has the most power does that make sense so lucian has always been like i don't fucking want this Mm -hmm. i mean no one's ever really asked me but i don't really want this so he becomes an emissary Mm -hmm. because he knows so many other people in other courts right so he's like with tamlin who's like his best friend Mm -hmm. so at first like things don't start off really well like favorite is pretty wary of all of them she doesn't really want to eat while they're like while she's with them and Mm -hmm. like she's not very happy and she also like this thing with her mom like is like weighing on her she's like i'm supposed to be taking care of them right um, but she will eavesdrop on her converse, on the conversations, and she hears them talking about the curse and this like this she person. Nobody, like, Farida doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about, but they keep mentioning something about like she will do this or she blah blah blah. Um, eventually, she does start to eat, um, and mm-hmm. slowly it's not so hard for her to be there. But I think one of the first nights she's there, mm-hmm. she thinks her father has come to save her and ends up being attacked by this magical creature and i think it's called a puka or it's called a bog i can't remember which one it is it's one of these Mm -hmm. creatures there's like a couple of different like creatures that are a little like weird um but i can't remember which one disguises itself to like make it like lure these people like lure people out um tamlin stops it from killing her and he's like you should not leave the manor like don't fucking leave the manor and she's like okay sorry um (laughs) but she eventually convinces lucian to um like they start to have like this weird like kind of friendship where they're like back and forth like you know butt heads but like you know have rapport with each other um so she asks him like how do you catch this thing called um a cereal and the cereal is apparently this thing that will tell her like anything she wants to know Mm -hmm. so you catch it it'll let you know it's like a magical creature it'll let you know whatever you ask um, granted, it's really hard to catch this thing, and also, it could kill you. Mm. So, like, why the fuck are you doing that? Um, at this point, I think at this point, we learn that Tamlin is the High Lord of the Spring Court. And she's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because she catches the damn cereal, and it's like, uh, yeah, you, you should stay with the High Lord. You should stay <laughs> with Tamlin. Like, Tamlin's the High Lord of the Spring Court. She's like, what the fuck? But she also asks about the blight. So the cereal, the cereal tells her that there is another land called Highburn that ruled that ruled by a king, and he <clears throat> the land being split up into courts, like how there is. Mm-hmm. So like in in Prithian, it's literally seven courts. You have the uh, seasonal courts, the winter, autumn, summer, and spring, mm-hmm. and then you have the solar courts, which are the day, dawn, and night courts. Um, and the map that's on each of these books, you literally get, like, a little bit more filled in. Mm -hmm. There's also this, like, strip called Under the Mountain, Mm -hmm. and we'll get into that later. 
Um, but the king was unhappy with the treaty that was signed with the humans, which allowed them to no longer be slaves. So, like, all this war, that shit that happened, yeah. was all because, it, like, the fairies had human slaves. Mm-hmm. And um, they wanted to have, the king wanted to have the land of his own. So, a hundred years ago, when they're, like, here, set in here, mm-hmm. after the war has already happened, like, 400 years later, a hundred years from now, yes. um, he sent his, like, one of his commanders to come and kill the humans and the fairy lands and begin like waging a war so then there's like all this thing with like spies and like lovers and courtiers and like they basically infiltrate all the high fake courts and they gathered enough information that the king could plan his takeover but one of his commanders disobeyed them and they now call them the deceiver so like we're like who the fuck is this person Mm -hmm. Mind you, after she gets, like, told all this by the serial or whatever, um, she hears these other creatures called the Naga. They're, like, nymphs, I would mm-hmm. call them. Um, they basically try to, like, kill her and the serial. And she's, like, screaming and she's trying to use her, like, arrows and, like, all this shit. And then Tamlin comes and saves her again. And he's a little pissed off at her for, like, going out and doing what, you know, he told her not to do. But whatever. Um, they eventually have this conversation about how, like, she wants to go home due to this promise that she gave to her mother. And he tells her that he can't send her home, but he's made sure that her family is well provided mm-hmm. for. Like, basically, he glamored their memories <clears throat> so that they would think that she went to live with her, like, dying aunt. This, like, long-lost mm-hmm. dying aunt who's got a lot of money. And he also made it so, like, they could have, like, a brand new house and like have money and like the dad like had his merchant properties back and like everything was fine they like found the ships wherever they were and like were able to bring them back like everything was paid off for Mm -hmm. so like we get this like side of tamlin you're like oh my god tamlin you're a great guy no fuck you tamlin (laughs) um (laughs) knowing that she isn't breaking the promise anymore though she's like okay like i'm i'm gonna stay here Mm -hmm. so she's like being cared for so she eventually starts to relax and actually begins painting again which she is like not done for a long Mm -hmm. time i think they even said like one of the reasons why she doesn't have a lot of paint was because of the not having money but elaine bought her paints like one time with like this very little amount of money Uh and she used all of that to like make the house that they lived at that shack that they lived in like beautiful Mm -hmm. like tried to do that so anyway um so she starts to you know paint and everything's kind of like starting to seem a little bit more like her life's getting normal Mm -hmm. um then one night, Tamlin's like, you need to stay inside. There's this ceremony happening. It's called Kalaname, and um, you cannot come outside. If you come outside, it's going to be extremely dangerous for you, and you just you need to stay away. Mm-hmm. So while the whole ceremony is going on, she's, like, hearing it. She can, like, hear, like, these drums, and she's like, fuck it. I'm going outside, because why the fuck not? Yeah. Um, you don't so she's own outside. Me. You don't own me. You don't own me. You don't own me. So she's outside and mm-hmm. she's runs into these like three guys and they start to like be like, oh, you're immortal. Like, oh, oh, oh my gosh. And they like start to like, like come in wow. on her. <sighs> and then the love of my life. <laughs> so then, <laughs> so then this sweaty. fucking random guy just swoops on in oh and he's like literally i'll read it to you because i dog-eared it so oh she God. goes i and I, I staggered falling out of their grip the ground welled up beneath me and i reached for my knives but sturdy hands grasped under the shoulders before i could draw them to hit the grass they were strong hands warm and broad not at all like the prouding bony fingers of the three fairies who were when utterly still at whoever caught me gently set me upright 
there you are. I've been looking for you, said a deep, sensual male voice I had never heard. But I kept my eyes on the three fairies, bracing myself for flight as the male behind me stepped to my side and slipped a casual arm around my shoulders. The three lesser fairies paled, their their dark eyes wide. Thank you for finding her for me, my savior said to them, smooth and polished. Enjoy the right. There was enough of a bite beneath his last words that the fairies stiffened without further comment. They scuttled back to the bonfires. There's like all these bonfires waiting. I stepped out of the shelter of my savior's arms and turned to thank him. Standing before me was the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. Holy shit. Oh my god. Okay. She doesn't even know his name at this point, mind you guys. She's not even going to learn his name for a little while. Oh, oh, um, but this is how they describe him. Oh, man. Oh, okay, man. with that description. Okay, so everything about the stranger radiated sensual grace and ease. High fade, no doubt. His short black hair gleamed like a raven's feathers, off, offsetting his pale skin and blue eyes so deep they were violet, even in firelight. They twinkled with an amusement as he beheld me. For a moment, we said nothing. Thank you didn't seem to cover what he'd done for me. But something about the way he stood with absolute stillness, the night seemed to press in closer around him, made me hesitant to speak, made me want to run in the other direction. He too wasn't speaking. Or or he too wasn't wearing a mask. Some people don't have masks. That's Mm -hmm. also important. Um, From another court then. A half smile played on his lips. What's a mortal woman doing here on fire night? His voice was a lover's purr that sent shivers through me, caressing every muscle and bone and nerve. I took a step back. My friends brought me. And I'm not going to read the rest because it's really not that you important. But this literally, episode, she's... Madison and Nicole get horny for YA. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I like book boys and we the book boys. boys. Give me book boys and little book boys. Okay. Some boy um, on Tinder had the so... audacity to challenge me with how many books I read this week. And I unmatched him because I said, fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, so she's talking to him, right? Mm-hmm. She's talking to this this mystery guy. And they're, like, going back and forth in this little, like, you know, squabble. Um, and Feyre even mentions, she's like, why can I not stop talking to him? Like, what the fuck? Eventually, though, have, have she leaves. Him? He leaves. Huh? Have you seen him? <laughs> He's gorgeous. Oh, right. He's beautiful. Inhumanly beautiful. beautiful. Ugh. Ugh. Fuck Tamlin. Okay. <clears throat> So while she's there, though, she's like she leaves this mystery guy and she runs into Lucian, who like is like, hey, you need to be in the fucking house. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Tamlin, being the high lord of the spring court, needs to perform this thing called the Great Rite. Oh, oh. In order for the crops to like prosper and all that shit. I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Go on. So in this old tradition, the high lord's beast self like takes over and his senses are focused on finding this thing this person called the maiden who then sleeps with who then they sleep with and ordered for everything to like prosper lucian explains that tamlin would likely smell Feyre when he's in his beef's form take over and he would seek her out as the maiden like no one knows who the maiden is but it's something that like the beast form of themselves like goes for but it wouldn't be tamlin like it's not the tamlin she would know so lucian's like i'm lucian's like you literally need to go back to the house yeah so he takes her back Later that night, after, like, the great ride has happened, it's, like, 2 or 3 in the morning, um, Feyre leaves her room again, and this time she runs into Tamlin, who's still, like, kind of possessed by the magic, like, so mm-hmm. his beast self is still kind of, like, there, so he's but he's, like, in his human form. Feeling, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, so he tells her he could smell her, like, when he was out there, and all he wanted to do was go looking for her, but had to stop, and that he did what he needed to do, he, like, found whoever, like, the maiden was, and... I'm not gonna lie. He was like, and I fucked her hard. And I was like, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yes, he did. I can find it 
for you if you oh want. Oh my god. That's what I mean when I say these are not like why. When I didn't find you, he said, bringing his face closer to mine until we shared breath, it made me pick another. I couldn't escape. I wasn't entirely sure what I wanted to do. She asked me not to be gentle with her. He snarled, his teeth bright in the moonlight. He brought his lips up to my ear. I would have been gentle with you, though. I shuddered as they closed my eyes. Every inch of my body was taut as his words echoed through me. I would have had you moaning my name throughout it all, and I would have taken a very, very long time, Feyre. And I was like, girl, what Jesus the fuck? Christ. I w genuinely, that's only 196 pages in. So if that tells you anything about this book. So um, he eventually like bites her neck and like leaves a bruise. And she's like, haha, fuck you and leaves. Yeah. Uh, P.S. I still feel nothing for Tamlin. Not any I, point I have in a this feeling time. that when I'm going to, when I read this book, as I'm probably go, I'm probably going to read it this week as I'm reading the other book now that I've made it through all of like the Sinners of yeah. Saints and All Saints High. Um, I'm probably going to be reading this one in tandem with, I'm reading Six of Crows next week, you know? So like, I'm probably yeah. going to be reading it at the same time as Six of Crows. And I know I'm reading A Court of Thorns and Roses in order to get to A Court of Mist and Fury. If this is just like, it's just the necessary the step. Yeah, exactly. Go but on. But I still feel nothing for Tamlin. And I don't know, I don't know if maybe like if I hadn't known if it would be different, but whatever. Um, so anyway, the next day, like they like, they start to grow closer, right? Like the two of them start to grow mm -hmm. closer after this moment. Um, in the summer, there's this large party for the, like the summer solstice and the spring court, um, does like all this cool, like shit where they have these, uh, dance that's like literally happening like all day and night. Also, Tamlin is like a musician. Like he said, if he hadn't been a high Lord, he wanted to like be a minstrel. Mm -hmm. And so he like plays like, uh, I think like the cello or the violin or something like that. And so she dances while he's playing and like, and this is the whole thing. Um, they also, on this day, like, express their feelings for each other. They end up kissing. And I think at this point, they some, like, some point, they sleep together. Um, the next day, shit hits the fan. Yes. Okay. So they have a visitor at the spring court. And Tamlin glamour, yeah, Tamlin glamours Feyre and tells her to get behind Lucian by the window. And who the fuck walks in? Oh. But Resand. Oh my god. The love of my motherfucking I existence. I can't wait to have like, my heart ripped out and thrown across the bedroom. I love him so yeah. much. So we are revealed that this is the guy that rescued Feyre the night of the like great right and like all the Kalani mm -hmm. And he's also the high lord of the night court. When I say sex, you say on legs. Sex? On legs. Oh, good. Okay, now we're on the same. Now we're all on the same page yep. of how I feel about dark emo boys who are cruel and beautiful and make me weak we in the knees. Love Great. them. Um. So anyway, Resand. I'm gonna call him Reese throughout the rest of this. This is a big. Even though I have it in here, Reese. Right. Reese senses Feyre, even though she's glamoured, and he threatens to tell this person named Amarantha, who's, like, his lover, and this anonymous she that everyone has been, like, speaking about and, like, talking about um, regarding, like, the blight. And Reese asks her, like, Feyre, because, like, she comes out of the glamour, and um, she he has the ability to, like, <coughs> fuck with people's minds. So, like, he starts to, like... <coughs> I don't know how to, like, describe it. He starts to, like, grab her mind and, like, scare her to scare, like, Tamlin and her. And at this point, he's like, what's your name? And she tells him that her name is Claire Bedor, I think is how you pronounce oh, it, or what? Bedor. I don't know. It's B-E-D-D-O-R. So, like, you could take it either mm -hmm. way, I guess. Um, but anyway, uh, so he's cruel. And we know that, like, Tamlin and him have had, like, 
bad history. Like, we learn that, like, right off yeah. the bat. Like, something happened between their families that it's, like, bad. Um, anyway, he scares Feyre and Tamlin, and he's, like, because, like, basically, he's, like, I'm going to go tell Amarantha who the fuck you have here. And you're, like, what the fuck, Reese? Wait, so Tamlin's, with, going on? Tamlin's with Amarantha. No, Reese is with Amarantha. So why is he, like, threatening to go tell Amarantha that? Because Reese is, like, her spy. And, like, Amarantha is super, super, super protective over Tamlin. And we'll get into that. Oh, okay. We'll talk mm-hmm. about Tamlin and that later. Okay, okay. So, anyway, um, because of the threat with Amarantha and Reese, uh, Tamlin's like, you have to go home. Like, you, Freyra, you have to go home. Like, I have to send you home. And she's like, but I, I love, like, I want to be with you. Like, what do you, like, I don't understand. She doesn't say I love you, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's like, I want to be with you. And he's like, I know this won't, this won't be the last time I see you, even though she's like, I feel like this is goodbye, but like, I'm going to like hope that we're going to see each other again. Mm-hmm. So he tells her, Tamlin's like, I love you before she leaves. And she's like, I wanted to say it, but I just couldn't. And I was like, all right, I'm not, well, I'm not bitch. upset about it. So devastated, you know, she goes home and she learns that Claire, who like lived in her village, by the way, Claire's a real person. Her house was burned <gasps> to the fucking ground. Oh, because and of she realizes exactly. Yeah, so she realizes something must be wrong, and so Nesta actually encourages her to go and, like, go back and, like, save Tamlin because they, they have this, like, moment where they talk about, you know, what, like, who Tamlin is to her and, like, all of this shit. So Feyre makes it back to the Spring Court Manor house, and she runs into this, like, her maid that she had. Her name is Alice, mm-hmm. and um, she's like, you are a stupid girl. If you'd only told Tamlin you loved him back, none of this would have happened. The curse, which p- keeps the masks on for the spring course, like they all would have been like removed. And that Amarantha took Tamlin because of the curse. So we learn that Amarantha is the deceiver, formally mentioned by the the serial, mm-hmm. right? And she went from court to court, charming all the high lords on their behalf of the like king of Highburn. For 50 years, while her gaining their trust, basically she had this, like, younger sister um, who fell in love with this mortal warrior. His name is Jurian. Mm-hmm. And during the war, before the treaty had happened, the mortals and the fairies, like, Jurian betrayed Clythia because um, he wanted, he, basically, he only wanted information to help the humans in their fight. So, like, he tried to seduce Amaranth's sister to, like, learn what their forces were doing so, like, the humans could, like, you know, potentially win. Mm-hmm. Um because of that, uh, and he, like this betrayal to Clythia, Jurian like killed Clythia and chopped her up into pieces for Amarantha to find. And so Amarantha was like, uh huh, mm, nope, and then killed him like very slowly, mm-hmm. but keeps this ring on her hand of his eye and a piece of bone where his soul is trapped in it. So, like, forever. He's alive, sort of, but like in this like, yeah. like ring. Okay. So after the treaty happened, she harbored, like, this hatred for humans. And she and the king of Highburn killed all of the human slaves rather than free them. And she was just so, like, charismatic, though, that she was unable to convince... She was able to convince the High Lords that her sister's death had to, had changed her. And that she and the king were willing to open trade routes with them again. So the High Lords, like, never realized, nor did the king of Highburn, that the ships on the trade routes were also smuggled into her army forces. So Amarantha knew that with her personal army, the High Lords were too powerful for her to defeat so she could kill the humans and do away with the treaty. So she convinced all of them to meet her at this, like, under the guise of this, like, ball. And she slipped portion, or potions into the High Lords' drinks and was able to steal away the magic that they have. Like, High Lords have, like, this, like, power magic mm-hmm. that's, like, kind of, like, about their, based on their core, yeah. right? 
Um, and so with their, basically it leaves them like they pass out, leaving them with literally like only like the barest amount of magic. Oh, wow. So with their magic almost like fully taken away, she was able to smuggle an army into um, into the like Prithian and in a matter of days becomes the high queen of everything, like of Prithian. And she builds this palace under the mountain. By, mind you, under the mountain is based on what they what the world believes the Court of Nightmares is like. Because like the not the Court of Nightmares, the, the Night Court. Uh-huh. The Night Court is like literally it's in the uppermost part of Prithian and it's literally like just looks like fucking mountains like everywhere is just fucking mountains mm. and it's all this like dark and like horrible things happen there and like all of this shit and so this Amarantha is like you know what that's how I'm gonna build my court mm. um so she sends creatures these like on, on the as the blight on the land like the Naga and like all these things mm-hmm. to like test the high lords um, who don't kneel to her. Because there's some that are just like, <laughs> fuck yeah. you. One of them is Tamlin. So, because we'll get into this in the second book. We learn, like, everything that happens between, like, her and Tamlin a while back. But um, she allows him to rebel because she's in love with him and doesn't want him harmed. But she did put a curse on him for not wanting her. So she threw this huge masquerade ball in honor at, like, her place mm-hmm. or her palace under the mountain upon coming into power and told the spring courts to like come and you know enjoy have a fun time so when they arrived she offered tamlin she's like here you know we're gonna be fine you know just marry me like marry me and he refused and said that he would rather marry a human than her so she used the magic of this masquerade ball to mm-hmm. like seal the, the seal the masks on the court's faces i think it's just the spring court like i said there's a bunch of other courts that do not have the masks uh-huh. and told tamlin that if he only if he could make a mortal oh, fall wait, in love what with the him. Fuck. Wait. So his. So she. So Favor like hasn't seen his full ass face this whole time. No. Oh, that's no. weird. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, so she fuck? used the magic to sear the mask on the court's face, um, and only Tamlin can like if Tamlin can find a mortal to love him, one that truly hated fairies from like the whole thing. If he can find a mortal to love him within, I think it's like forty nine years, then she would restore his magic and remove their blight from like the like from Prithian. Mm-hmm. So he tries for years to break the curse by like glamoring his soldiers as animals and sending them into the human world to find someone. Part of the stipulation of the curse was that a human needs to like attack a fairy soldier unprovoked and kill them so that Amarantha would would know of the human's hatred of the fairies on the off chance. That humans ended up falling, like a human ended up falling in love with Tamlin. Mm-hmm. Most humans like ran, like the fathers of the girls would come and kill the fairy soldiers, and it just wasn't really worth yeah. it. But Feyre is one of the only ones to have done it. Yes, there was like many years where Tamlin just didn't do it anymore. Like he stopped sending his sentinels out there. Like he stopped making them go out there and do it. Uh-huh. Um, so all Feyre, oh my god, all Feyre would have had to do to break it was tell Tamlin she loved him on that day before, like, she left. Fuck. And it would have ended. But instead, knowing that his time was up to break the curse in just a few days, he chose to send her away and keep her safe, as she meant more to him than his curse or his court. I can see why people would like him, but fuck him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so she's like, I can save him. So she goes to Under the Mountain. Mind you, she has to get through the spring court, and either go through the summer court or autumn court, up through the winter court, 
to get under the mountain. Well, and there's Lucian's like these doors. From the, Lucian's from the Autumn Court. Autumn Court so that's... Yes, but everybody's in under the mountain. All Everybody. Oh. Everybody from Prithian's under the mountain for the most part. Also, Lucian has one eye. He has another eye that's a metal eye that Amarantha pulled out his eye because he was, like, a bad person. You love a one-eyed bitch. <laughs> I know. And he gets, like, this metal whirling eye that, like, mm-hmm. has magic in it. So I don't think he can see out of it. I don't really know if he can see out of it. I don't really know. But it she amarantha took his eye for like betraying her mm-hmm. so anyway <clears throat> she goes under the mountain when she gets there she meets this thing called the ator at one point in time the ator had come to the spring court and tamlin had glamored her and the ator so she wouldn't see what it was mm-hmm. um so it wouldn't find out that there was a human there and like shit hit the fan earlier so like he tried to like help everything but anyway this ator comes and it's horrifying it's like literally like this winged fucking beast crazy shit um, and he takes her to see Amarantha mm-hmm. and at Amarantha's side is Tamlin. Who's just like kneeling and like mm. fucking like doing nothing. Mm-hmm. And then Reese is there and like a bunch of like the high Lords are there and like some other courts there. And they basically Feyre is like, I'm here to break, I'm here to break his curse. Like I want to help. I want to break the curse. And so she convinces Amarantha to like, make a deal with her to free Tamlin and like everybody else to free Printhian from everything that's happened. So Amarantha agrees and says, okay, fine. Um, you'll either have to do these three tests that'll happen over the course of the next three months, or you can answer this riddle that I have for you. Mm -hmm. And then I'll let them go immediately. Uh, so Feyre's like, I don't fucking know the riddle right now. So I'm just going to wait on it. (laughs) So she's like, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I, I love him enough to do this. So, um, Feyre gets beaten up and taken downstairs oh my God. into the cell, into the cell. Uh, a short while later, she goes to her first trial. And I don't remember how much time has passed, but she has to fight this giant fucking worm. Like, picture the worm, like the Alaskan bullworm from SpongeBob. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it is. I was going to say her um, fucking Mr. Lightwood in, right. in uh, Infernal Devices. when he's like, my father is a worm. <laughs> Right, right. So she has to fight this large fucking worm. Mm-hmm. It's me. It's blind. Rising on the ground. It's in this pit. Like, they throw her into this dirt pit. That's what I'm saying. In, under the mountain. And um, she's, like, figures out that the, the worm is blind. So what she does is there's all these bones in the in the in the thing mm-hmm. oh i forgot something when when we, she first sees amarantha she sees oh my god she sees the charred body of claire on the wall like <gasps> no so they took claire because reese told amarantha that this is this woman named claire so they took claire and they tortured her and oh. everything like all this shit happened right so she's like oh my god this could have happened to me but anyway she's in the pit with these fucking with this fucking worm she figures out how to like distracted and she ends up killing it and she gets out of the pit and she throws the bone at amarantha and amarantha's like not a only one person bet on you a lot of my a lot of the people in my court just lost a lot of money because you like <gasps> reese bet on her reese, reese bet on her the only one that bet on her mind you where's tamlin doing nothing of course because he's a little bitch boy Baby blonde bitch boy. So, while she's in the pit, the worm had managed to bite her arm. Mm. So, now she's back in her cell, and she's starting to fight this infection. Like, she's, like, not doing good. She's, like, slowly thinks she's going to die. So, Reese comes to see her, and he's like, I'll make you a deal. I will heal you, 
on the condition that you come and stay in the night court for one week every month for the rest of your life. And at first she's like, what? no. And she, he's like, okay, fine. Well, if you think, because Lucian had come down at and she had gotten beaten up the first mm-hmm. night and like had like healed her. Um, he's like, if you think that he's going to come down, you're wrong because he's been preoccupied with everything else that's going on upstairs. So, but she ends up taking the deal and this is where she gets that tattoo that if you like are part of like the fan art and all this Uh stuff, that's like the tattoo on her left arm. Mm -hmm. So he has the same one as she, as her. So they have this matching tattoo. So sometime later, the cell, like the guards come and they drag Feyre to the hallway and they give her a bucket of water and they tell her to scrub the mud off the floor before they come back. Or they've been told that they can, like, roast her on a spit and torture her, but not kill her. Because that's, like, part of Amarantha's deal is, like, she has to work for them while they're there. In between the times of her trials. Because, like, Mm -hmm. her trials are happening, like, every month on, like, the full moon or some shit like that. So Feyre realizes that that this task is not meant to, like, be beat as the water is dirtier than the floor. And so she's like, oh, my God, I'm not going to survive. Well, Lucian's mother, who's the head of the Autumn Court, like, she's, like... They call her, like, Lady of the Autumn Court. Mm-hmm. She's not High Lady, though, and that's a very important thing to distinguish mm-hmm. here. Because in the next book, Tamlin's like, there can't be a High Lady. Lucian's mom comes up, and he's like, she's like, here you go. I makes the uses magic to clear the water, and she tells Feyre that they're even now, since Feyre gave her name, uh, her real name, to Amarantha when, the, when she first came to court. Because basically what's happening... She comes in, they're like, well, what's your name? And she's like, my name is Feyre. But they were, like, torturing Lucian if she wasn't going to do it. So, like, the mom is grateful that Feyre did that. Mm-hmm. So she, like, makes it magic. So right. um, another task um, comes, and she goes upstairs. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question? Well, I have a comment. Okay. It's, it, this part reminding we'll, – we'll talk about this at the end. But this part is reminding me of, like – in the grim fairy tales of Cinderella, all the different tasks she has to do and how it, like, works out with the help of her woodland friends or some shit like that. You, it, you know, yeah. like, the picking up the pebbles from the fireplace or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's this next part. Are you fucking Madison. kidding me? I'm not kidding like, you. Like, beans. So she has beans to... in the, like... They're called lentils. It's lentils. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So she has wow, to go upstairs. timing. I know. It's just she has to go upstairs and pick lentils out of the ash-filled yes! fireplace and not miss a single one. Or she'll be tortured by whoever yes! owns the room. So she turns out it's Reese's room. Oh. And he's just like, I'd be like, I'd be like, know? look at all these lentils still on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do about it, bitch boy? <laughs> what are you going to do, bitch? <laughs> so um, the room's owner, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it turns out it's Reese's room, and since he's already been on her, like, side, uh-huh. and he's just using magic to, like, help her, he removes the lentils from the fire pit into the bucket, and he casts a glamour over the guards so that they stop torturing Feyre from using. Mm. The literal love of my fucking existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to the part where, at night, Reese has come to grab Feyre to be on his arm at these like dinners How? to amuse Amarantha and piss off Tamlin. Uh, mind you, it, the the outfits that she has to wear are very scandalous. Mm. I think he even paints her body and he says like he says something about like I I, I want to make sure that if any I know where anybody touches you. He's like I'll know where my hands have been, but if your paint is smudged anywhere <gasps> else, then I'm going to be pissed because I don't I don't like other people touching what's mine. <gasps> and I was like, "Oh, daddy." <laughs> oh, boy. oh my god. 
Um, um, so she goes up during these like dinners. Mm-hmm. Reese puts this like thing in her drink to make her like forget what happens. But she then she's like dancing all up on him and sitting in his lap and like doing all these things and she gets pissed about it. Um, but he basically, you know, he's drugging her to like dance in front of the entire court um, to piss Tamlin off and show like his ownership over her because of the deal. Because when she goes up there the first night. Tamlin sees the deal on her arm and he like looks upset and she's like I in her mind she's like I fucking did this for you yeah so you would like be saved and everyone would be saved she's like don't fucking judge me she never says any of this to him but like god right anyway <clears throat> so Feyre hates like Reese she's like fuck this fucking guy mm-hmm. but he helps her at her second trial uh-huh. so her second trial involves being put in this pit it's like a Wait, large fence in the middle the first one second trial I thought the first one was the worm it was. This is the second one. So what was the, the other beans? stuff was just her working. Just her working. Oh my god. Okay. I know. So her second trial involves being put in this pit and this is like large fence in the middle and Lucian is is chained on the other side. And there are like three levers on the wall. And Amarantha tells her that if she pulls the right one, they'll live. And if not, they're going to be impaled by spikes. And uh, they're going to come down from the ceiling and just be impaled. So there are words on the wall, but again Feyre's fucking illiterate. So she's like oh. So she's like, there's another riddle, and Feyre is supposed to solve it. But she's like, I can't fucking read. So she's, like, sitting there trying to figure out what to do. So she starts to go to pull a lever, and she feels this, like, tingling in her arm. And she's like, what the fuck? So she goes to reach for another lever, and she feels the tingling in her arm again. So she goes to reach for the last lever, and she doesn't feel it. So she keeps, like, trying to, like, figure it out. And she realizes that it's Reese telling her which one to pull. And so she has to trust him. (laughs) Fucking love him. Oh, my God. She has to trust him so she pulls on the one that she doesn't get tingled by and it's correct and she's passed the second test so the night before reese's or not reese's Feyre's third trial reese doesn't make her dance or drug her or anything like that um so that she'll have clear head the next day but still dresses her up and puts on the paint like the, the magic paint and all this stuff and um he uses the paint, so basically, you know, you can see, like, who touches her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they go upstairs, Tamlin sees Feyre and, like, ushers her into, like, this room. And they start to, like, you know, do stuff. Yep. And, like, get. she's like, I want you, like, right now. And they're, like, making out and stuff. And then Reese comes <gasps> in, and he's like, you both are dumb as hell. Like, you are dumb as hell. Amarantha could, like, see you at any moment, and you both could be killed. Like, what the yeah. fuck is wrong with you? So Tamlin leaves, and he's pissed off. He's, like, brooding. And then Reese comes up and starts, like, yelling at her. <laughs> and, then, and then he, like, leans in and kisses her. Oh, my God, where is it? Oh, yeah, this is what he says. He goes, of course, he said, Cooley, how else would I know if anyone touches you? He approached, and I braced myself as he ran a finger along my shoulder, smearing the paint. As soon as his finger left my skin, the paint fixed itself, returning to the design of its original format. The dress itself won't mar it. And neither will your movements, he said, his face close to mine. His teeth were far too near to my throat. And I'll remember precisely where my hands have been. But if anyone else touches you, let's say a certain high lord who enjoys springtime, I'll know. He flicked my nose. And Feyre, he added, his voice a caressing murmur, I don't like my belongings being tampered with. That has some big LJ vibes. It has some big fuck me vibes. Oh my god. Um... I gotta be getting close. Oh, also at one point she's like in the cell and she hears this music mm-hmm. and it like calms her to sleep. 
Okay, so she's so Reese comes in, right? This is everything that happens. He goes, I tossed away his belt, Tamlin, started fumbling for his pants. Someone coughed. Shameful, Reese purred, and we wheeled to find him faintly illuminated by the light that broke in through the doorway but he stood behind us further in the passage rather than toward the door he hadn't come in through the throne room with all with with that ability of his he probably walked through walls just shameful <laughs> he stalked towards us tamlin remained holding me look at what you've done to my pet <laughs> marantha would be greatly aggrieved if she knew her little warrior was dallying with human help reese went on caressing his arm i wonder how she'd punish you or perhaps she'd stay true to the habit and punish lucian he still has one eye to lose after all maybe she'll put it in the ring too anyway he leaves um she she calls him a pig and then she's like do you actually intend to put yourself at my mercy or are you really just that stupid his voice was compressed of a sensual bone-breaking ear i'm not your slave you're a fool Feyre. do you have any idea what could have happened at amarantha found you two in here tamlin might refuse to be her lover but she keeps him at her side out of the hope that she'll break him down, dominate him as she loves to do with our kind. I kept silent. You're both fools, he murmured, his breath uneven. How did you not think that someone would notice you were gone? You should think the cauldron, Lucian's delightful brothers, weren't watching you. What do you care, I barked, and his grip tightened enough on my wrist that I knew my bones would snap with a little more pressure. What do I care, he breathed, wrath twisting in his features wings those membrous glorious wings flared from his back crafted from the shadows mm. behind him what do oh, i oh. care but before he could go on his head snapped at to the door then back to my face the wings vanished as quickly as they appeared and then his lips were crash crushing into mine his tongue pried my mouth open forcing himself into me into the space where i could still taste tamlin i pushed and thrashed but he held firm his tongue sweeping over the roof of my mouth against my teeth clinging my mouth clinging me the door was flung open and amaranthus curved figure filled the space tamlin tamlin was beside her his eyes slightly wide shoulders tight as lips as reese's lips still crushed mine so they fucking walk in right mm -hmm. and amarantha's like ha, ha ha look at this fucking human and they're like you know ways that they're always just falling in love with all these different people like tamlin you're such a fool mm -hmm. um so end of the night happens i believe this is the night that Reese comes to her room, like, the cell, like, later on, mm -hmm. and he's, like, distraught, and he's, like, just come back from, like, having to sleep with Amarantha. Mm. And um, he's, like, I want to just be honest with you for a little bit. And, like, he talks to her, and they have this, like, conversation, and she's, like, this is probably the first time I've ever, like, felt anything other than hate towards him, mm -hmm. right? It's this sweet little moment. It's not, it's not enough for me to just be, like, in love with him it's just i'm wholeheartedly in love with him yeah um, <laughs> it's not so enough the third, but i am my am mm -hmm. uh so Feyre's third trial comes and she goes upstairs and amaranth is like you're gonna kill three innocent fairies by stabbing them in the heart and although Feyre's like i don't want to do this she knows it's the only way to like free the people and free tamlin so the fairy hoods are removed one at a time, and she's forced to kill them and look in the eyes she stabs. So she does, like, the first guy, and she, like, stabs him in the heart. And then this woman, this young fairy woman, pleads for her life. And um, she starts to say a prayer and then encourages Feyre that it's okay to do it and just get it done. Like, get it done and over with. So she kills her, and Feyre's, like, literally, like, not doing good. Like, she just killed two innocent people. Right. She's like, I'm not doing good. Is that is it, like, a glamour and they're all still fucking alive? No. Oh, they actually do die. 
Yeah. McFucked. I guess. So they pull yeah. off the hood it's of Lucian. the third guy. It's Tamlin. And it's Tamlin. Oh. And Feyre remembers that when she was talking with Alice before coming there, that Alice told her there was still another part of the curse that Amarantha was preventing anyone from telling Feyre. So she knows it must be important and tells Feyre that she just has to listen. Like, Alice tells Feyre that she just has to listen. So Feyre realizes that she what she meant and thinks back to all the conversations she heard between the members of the Spring Court and remembers everyone saying, Tamlin has a heart of stone. She thought it, like, was a figure of speech, but it's, like, true. So he's cursed with a heart of stone. And so she's never heard it being, even, like, when they've been together. So hoping she's right, she, like, looks at him and she's like, okay. And she stabs him. <laughs> and he's fine because, like, he's, you know, yeah. doesn't die. And all the fairies around him, all of them, begin, like, demanding that Amarantha breaks the spell. And so she's, like, completed all of her tasks, and Amarantha, she, like, it, tells, it, I think... She's, she's probably gonna be like, uh, no. I feel like. Well, yeah, but she, before she stabs Tamlin, she, like, looks at him, she's like, I love you, and then stabbed him, right? <gasps> so now, um, Amarantha is like, they're like, she won, like, free them, everyone's, like, crying for this, but Amarantha's face blanched, her features contorting until she looks truly serpentine. I'll free them whenever I see fit. Feyre didn't specifically say when I had to free them, just I had to at some point. Perhaps when you're dead, she finished with a hateful smile. You assumed that I would, or that I said I was instantaneous freedom regarding the riddle. It implied to the trials too, didn't you? Foolish, stupid human. And then she like sees like the eye of like Jurian's like eye in the ring and she's like, freaking out over that and then she looks amarantha looks back at her and she goes and you she hissed at me you her teeth gleaming turning sharp i'm going to kill you so amarantha i'm gonna make you pay for your insolence amarantha snarled and a scream ravaged her throat as pain like nothing i'd ever known erupted from me my very bones were shattering as my body rose and then slammed onto the hard floor i was crushed beneath another wave of torturous agony admit you didn't really love him and i'll spare you amarantha breathed and throw my fractured vision I saw her prowl toward me. Admit what a cowardly, lying, and constant bit of human garbage you are. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that, even if she splattered me across the ground. But I was being ripped apart from the inside out, and I thrashed, unable to outscream the pain. Mm. Feyre, someone roared. Not, no, not someone. Rissan. <laughs> but Amarantha still neared. You think you're worthy of him, a high lord? You think you deserve anything at all, human? My back arched and my ribs crushed one by one. Reese yelled my name again, yelled it as though he cared. I blacked out, but she brought me back, ensuring that I felt everything, ensuring that I screamed every time a bone broke. What you are, what are you but mud and bones and warm meat? Fairies began to call um, foul play, demanding Tamlin be released, and the curse calling her a cheating liar and through the haze i saw reese crouching by tamlin not to help him but to grab the you're all pigs all scheming filthy pigs i sobbed between screams as her foot connected with my broken ribs again and again your mortal heart is nothing to us then reese was on his feet my bloody knife in his hands he launched himself at amarantha swift and sh- as a shadow the ash dagger aimed at her throat she lifted a hand not even bothering to look as he was blasted back by the wall of white light but the pain paused for a second, long enough for me to see him hit the ground and rise again and lunge for her, with hands that now ended in talons. He slammed into the invisible wall Amarantha had raised around herself, and my pain flickered as she turned to him. You treacherous piece of filth, she sneered at Reese. 
You're just as bad as these human beasts. One by one, as if the hand were shoving them in, his talons pushed back into his skin, leaving blood in their wake. He swore low and vicious. You were planning this all along. That's Amarantha. Uh-huh. Her magic was sent him sprawling, and then it hurled Reese again so hard his head cracked against the stones, and the knife dropped in his sprying fingers. No one made a move to help him, and she struck him once more with her power, the red marble splintering where he hit it, spider rubbing around him. The wave, with wave after wave, she hit him, and Reese groaned. Stopped, I breathed, my blood filling my mouth as I strained a hand to reach her feet. Please. Reese's arms buckled as he fought to rise, and blood dripped from his nose, splattering on the marble. His eyes met mine. The bond between us went taut. I flashed, it flashed between my body and his, seeing myself through his eyes, bleeding and broken and sobbing. I snapped back into my own mind as Amarantha turned to me. Stop! Stop! Don't you pretend to care, human, she crooned. I curled, I curled her finger. I arched my back, my spine straining to the point of cracking, and Reese bellowed my name as I lost my grip of the room. Then the memories began, a compilation of the worst moments of my life, a storybook of des- a despair and darkness. The final page came, and I wept, not entirely feeling the agony of my body as I saw that young rabbit bleeding out on the forest clearing, my knife through her throat, my first kill, the first life I'd taken. I'd been starving, desperate, yet afterward, once my family had devoured it, I crept back into the woods and wept for hours, knowing a line had been crossed in my soul stain. Say you don't love him, Amarantha shrieked, and the blood on my hands became blood of that rabbit, became the blood of what I had lost. But I wouldn't say it, because loving Tamlin was the only thing I had left, and the only thing I couldn't sacrifice. A path cleared through my red-black vision. I found Tamlin's eyes wide as he crawled towards Amarantha, watching me die, and unable to save me while his wound slowly healed, while she still gripped his power. Amarantha had never intended for me to live, never intended to let him go. Amarantha, stop this, Tamlin begged at her feet and clutched the gaping wound in his chest. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said about Clythea all those years ago. Please. Amarantha ignored him, but she couldn't. But I couldn't look away. Tamlin's eyes were so green, green like the meadows of his estate, a shade that had washed the memories flooding through me, that pushed aside the evil breaking me bone by bone. I screamed again, my kneecap straining, the threat cracking in two when, but I saw that enchanted forest saw that afternoon we lay in the grass say you don't truly love him Amarantha spat admit your inconstant heart Amarantha please Tamlin moaned his blood spilling onto the floor I'll do anything I'll deal with you later she snarled and sent me flying into the fiery pit of pain so then she's like still talking right mm-hmm. and she says th- this is the riddle that Amarantha gave her parts of it I should say for though each of my strikes lands a powerful blow when I kill I do it slow but scorn I become a difficult beast to defeat but I bless all those who brave or who are brave enough to dare. And then Amarantha's like yelling at her. Uh, she said, "Say it, you vile beast!" Amarantha hissed as she laid. She might have laid out our bargain, but she'd sworn differently with the riddle. Instantaneous freedom, regardless of her will. Blood filled my mouth, warm as it dripped out between my lips. I gazed at Tamlin's mask one last time. Love, I breathed. The word crumbling into the blackness with no end. A pause in Amarantha's magic. The answer to the riddle, I got out choking on my own blood, is love. Tamlin's eyes went wide before something forever cracked in my spine. Fuck. So she fucking dies, homie. Fuck. Fuck. That and was... as she's dead. Oh, my God. She's seen her body on the ground through Reese's eyes. <gasps> like, literally. Like, she's in his mind looking at the body. And so Tamlin, like, gets up, fucking attacks Amarantha, kills her, and then he goes over to Feyre and he's like looking at all of them 
And one by one, the high lords of all the courts, because they're all there, come forward and give a piece of their power and put it into Feyre. And it reawakens her. And she's now a high fae. I knew it! I Because I saw the photos! Mm-hmm. You know, the, the thing that I was like, why the fuck does she have ears? Oh, okay. So, Reese, Reese comes forward. He's the last one to come fuck. forward. Okay. And he's like, for what she gave, Reese said, extending a hand, we'll bestow what our predecessors gave granted very few before he paused this makes us even he added and i felt the twinkle of his humor as he opened his hand and let the seed of light fall on me tamlin tenderly brushed aside my matted hair his hand glowed bright as the rising sun in the center of his palm that strange shining bud form i love you he whispered and kissed me as he laid his hand on my heart so she wakes up and of course she's like oh my god this has been a lot i just fucking died uh-huh uh, so at the end of the book, uh, you know, the night before they go back to the spring court, she's like with Tamlin, they like sleep together again. She's like trying to figure out like her life as a high fae, like just briefly, but she feels this tug on their, like the bond that they have between Reese and her. And so she goes and finds him and he's just like, I wanted like, you know, to see you before I go. Um, and she's like, thanks him for his help. And he tells her not to thank him yet. Cause she probably won't be thanking him after being in his court for that week, every month. Um, and she like leaves and she's like, I don't know why, but this one moment seemed like different before, before he goes though, he like looks at her for a second and he, and she's like, what's wrong? He's like, nothing. And then leave. So the book ends, they go back to the spring court and it's all still kind of like ominous in the background. Like there's, there's high King of like Highburn that to be like contended with. And like, since everyone knows that he was still like allied with Amarantha, that there's likely going to be a war coming soon. And now it's just kind of like left in the open. So like, obviously we're going to get a lot of other stuff happening in the next book, but they like go home and that's the end like literally i think the last line in the book is um let's go home or something like that hold on yeah let's go home i said and took his hand huh to tamlin here so so what did you think the book i I know this the book is based on beauty and the beast right Mm mm-hmm and you can tell like everything you can tell like the curse the whole setup all the like grim fairy tales that are like embedded in here um i don't get the appeal of tamlin to be honest well i don't that's okay because that's what i was gonna say listening to you tell it to me and knowing what i know what most most everybody knows if you're in like why you read this book groups you know you know who she ends up with like who's her who she's supposed to be with and for whatever reason as i'm listening to you tell me this and don't get me wrong i'm still gonna read the book honestly it makes me want to start it tonight but mm-hmm. it feels almost like disingenuous because you know that like she's not supposed to be with him. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird knowing what I know. It's weird. Um, the the fact of the matter is, is like I don't know if having not known what the book was about, if I would have felt this way about Tamlin. Mm-hmm. To be fair, even at the even when he's like. I've never been like a huge Beauty and the Beast fan because mm-hmm. I've always seen like the kind of Stockholm syndrome pieces. Same, to that. same. I've always been like, oh, bestiality and Stockholm syndrome. Like, yeah, and it's not my thing. Um, I don't, I just don't get him. But the story is good. I think it's really good. You know, had I read this before all the books were released, though, I 
probably wouldn't have waited for the next one. Mm-hmm. Like, if we had gotten these books the day they came out, right? I because probably like, wouldn't oh, have waited for the next Tamlin. one. Right, and would I have been obsessed with Reese then? Maybe. I don't know. I like, I, There's so have. many different things, and I hope so. Um, <laughs> I love him with every part of Wait, wait, wait. <gasps> Has he dethroned Thomas Cresswell? Uh, you know, it is very hard, but I think that if I had to line them up, Reese is definitely number one, and Thomas Cresswell is number two. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen, and probably <laughs> and more I ladies. And I still... I will still love Thomas Cresswell until the day I die, but I think if it was, like, between Reese and Thomas, I'd probably pick Reese. Um, damn. But I think it's, a, you know, it's a damn shame, too, because I've already read A Court of Mist and Fury, mm-hmm. and it's phenomenal. It's, as of right now, it's my favorite out of the three. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I hadn't, I'm glad I waited. I'm glad I waited till now in this moment of my life to read these books and knowing that there's more that came, because mm-hmm. if I hadn't and not had read, like I did with Throne of Glass, like, I, I got the th- other two from Throne of Glass, and I didn't even read them yet. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't care. Um, Character-wise, mm-hmm. I love Feyre. I think she's a great character. She's got a lot of additional layers, I guess, to explore. Mm-hmm. She goes from needing to be, needing to, like, take care of everyone to accepting and being and being happy with the fact that, like, now she may have a future here in Prithian, where she's well taken care of and you can see these different like things happening uh-huh. with her and like the the strain that it puts on her and like the, the you know the promise she made to mm-hmm. her mom and like all of these different right. things um but the cool thing really is like seeing the growth of her accepting the help when she seems to be so like independent mm-hmm. when we get into the second book yeah. you've already read it great mm-hmm. if you haven't read it sorry get on it um <laughs> She basically is talking about how that part of her, that part of her that needed to be taken care of, died under the mountain. Mm-hmm. So that's like where a lot of the conflict stems from in book two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love, I love her as a character. I love Reese as a character. I even love Lucian as a character. Like mm-hmm. I think he's really good. There are a lot of people out there that do not like him, mm-hmm. and I understand why. But I also understand his character a lot more as the books go on. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, just character wise, it's really good. I think the main thing that makes me love this though, the most is the world building. Mm -hmm. This entire world is so complex. Like book one is, like I said, based on Beauty and the Beast. The rest of them are not. And it's just the story that unfolded from within this other story, right? Like there was already this plan that was established in book one, Mm -hmm. but the first events of book one are based on a retelling of a fairy tale. So the world building that you already start to get with, like, these seven courts and, like, there's other, like, entities out there that want to, like, destroy everything in this clash between mortals and humans – or mortals and, and high fae and fae. I'm so far up fae ass right you now. really um, are. It's really interesting. And it's not the same fae that you tend to know. Like, we talked about with Cruel Prince. That's very standard, mm-hmm. like, fae talk, I think. Um, but, like, when she's in – the spring court Pharaoh learns that like they can lie mm-hmm. and like all of the crazy shit that happens with that and like the iron doesn't do anything to them and the only thing that can kill them is these ash arrows or things that are dipped in ash and all this stuff um but the story goes by really fast i think that's another good thing mm-hmm. is it's a really good page turner um i was looped in very quickly yep. um by the world and Pharaoh's voice like she's a really good 
first person narrator, mm-hmm. like, would I say she's super reliable? Eh, well, I, I mean, nobody's ever one hundred percent first person. Right, but I still think that they give like she sees a lot. Like she gets to see yeah. a lot, and her. This is definitely more of a tell book, sort of. I would say it's a tell book and a show book. But it works. Um, yeah, but it works. It works really, really well. Um, but instantly I was rooting for her. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted her to be living her best life. I wanted her to, like, upstand her sisters when they were assholes mm-hmm. and, like, her father. And then, like, being in the spring court and then, like, taking down Amarantha. Like, I wanted all of that because I wanted her to succeed. Right. And sometimes I don't feel that way with the main character. I... Like, there's times where I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I want this as a movie, though. And I know that there is a company out there who made the Mortal Instruments. I'm not going to lie. That's a little bit how I feel about Darker Shades of Magic. Or a Darker Shade of Magic. Only because I'm like, I'm like, I feel like it's too perfect as it is. And like, yeah. it's just, I feel like I, it, there's just such a strong likelihood. Because the more complex something is, the harder it is to adapt it. That's why Shadowhunters sure. no, didn't fucking work. It's because yeah. that world is so complex. And I feel like that's one of the... I don't want to say sad things, but one of the things that comes with incredible world building in books is the difficulty to translate it to a short form screen format. And Game yep. of Thrones worked, but Game of Thrones also had the HBO budget behind it. And they also didn't even have all the books. No, no. So. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, the other thing with them not make, making the movie is I'm like, you cannot describe Reese as inhumanly <gasps> beautiful. And, and then, then cast a human. Him. And then gets a fucking human. That's like the only person I put in my notes, the only person that maybe would work is Henry Cavill. Cavill. And he can't play every single fucking he character can't. I want. He can't. So Although I will say he get, I do get Henry Cavill vibes a little bit. Oh my god, I do. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I wanna mm, lick that boy's chest. Oh Lord Jesus Christ. I can't believe I said what I said on this show today. <laughs> we both went a little off the fucking rails today. When Sorry. It's I just quarantine is getting to us yeah in ways that we didn't think it would and truly our books seem to be catering to those yep hardcore um it's pretty great i mean i give this a four out of five though just so you know yeah so here's the thing i've already read the other books Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah um this is not my favorite well mist and fury is your favorite Yes, yeah. and that I will give a five out of five. But uh-huh. um, the book is still good. Like, it's really good. Yeah. And it's set up so well and sets up so much more in the future. And I think we'll, when we talk about book two, you'll understand why I love that. You're going to literally scream. I know I will. Two. I know I will. No, but, like, there's other pieces that you don't know yet that you're going to be like, this is so cool. I want to be there, like, so badly. So. I mean. Get ready. These... I feel like we we be it be hitting different this week on the show. Like it's been hitting different a lot lately. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like mm-hmm. the books we've been reading have just been. Um, eight thousand so, Italian chef yeah, kisses. Yeah. Uh, next week, what are you reading? A court <laughs> of mist and fury. Yep. And then, as I mentioned before, I'm reading Six of Crows. Um. Pretty. Which we're excited about too. I'm we're super really excited. excited about that because I know I'm about to lose my mind for Kaz Brecker. I know I, I am. I can feel it too. I'm so excited. It's gonna be great. 
I yeah, I think we were both excited to read. I mean, those those are big players in these are big YA, YA books. <laughs> big players. And like almost I feel like until recently we weren't really dealing with the big with the big guns, you know what I mean? No, we were dealing with the ones that we like had like loved and cherished. Yeah, or like even um like little ones that you pick like like Onyx and Ivory is like one that yeah. I just happened to pick up, you know? Yeah. But we're, we're and we still have those, you guys, but sometimes they're just going to be these blockbusters that will yeah. rack you. Yep. Rack you? Rack you. Rack you. Because they're, I like they're, rack you, too. <laughs> popular for a reason. And yep. I, uh, you know, we want to be involved with that. Plus, I mean, oh my god. Why do boys really do be hitting different recently? It's just, I can't even, with the fan art, too, you oh guys. My god. Like, with the fan art of Reese, fan I literally art? just want to run myself through There's a There's some like, fan art. Like a, oh my god, the French covers of Shades of the Shades Magic series. The art for Cal, Lila, and Holland makes me want to, like, boof in a good way. Good. I love that for it's, you. So, wrapping up today's episode. Yeah. Um, rate us on Apple Podcasts, please, or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Please, 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 please rate us. Um, that's how we get the word out about our show. And also, please, you know, tell your mm-hmm. friends to listen it's we we're trying our best to do like the grassroots marketing of this yep um mm-hmm. so just continue to help us out by rating us an apple podcast yes please do um and then we also we are footing all of the bill ourselves right now which is fine we get it you know but that being said we do have a patreon um our patreon is patreon.com slash lower your volume uh on there we have four different tiers that you can donate at. You can also come up with your own custom donation. Each tier has fun little uh, rewards depending on how much you're donating. So we have like a Discord chat room. We've got, you know, um, bonus content. We've got book hauls. We've got all kinds of stuff. Um, So that's really fun. And we would love if you could support us. If not, we understand. But (sighs) shit's expensive. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. Uh, books are expensive, you know living the dream but if you want to go check that out that'd be awesome and we would greatly appreciate it um continuing on with the whole share aspect of things Mm -hmm. um please consider sharing our content on social media Mm -hmm. and also liking and following us on social media um we have a twitter account that's at lower pod and an instagram account at lower your volume pod um, we would love to hear from you guys and just get more of you guys talking about the show mm-hmm. like that. Like if you tweet about us or you share something about us, we are so on top so, of the social media right now that we will probably reshare it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, like almost without a doubt. And then we've also got an email. Speaking of communication, uh, on our email, you just literally it's lower your volume podcast at gmail.com. And send us whatever, really, so long as it's appropriate and won't make us viscerally uncomfortable. Um, so anything like fan cast, if you if you loved a book or didn't love a book and you were just like, hey, here's why I didn't like it, we'd love to hear from you. Um, fan art, if you have fan art, literally send it our way because we can share it on our on our Instagram, on our Twitter, because, I mean, I love fan art. Fan art has what got you into... A Court of Thorns and Roses. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's literally, like, it, it really, fan art is... Listen, I have a whole fucking private Pinterest board Me too, of fan art of, of, of Court of Thorns and Roses. Literary Loves. It's literally, like, just fan art of all my favorite books. Um, yeah, no, my thing is literally called a Kotar. <laughs> yep, it's, it's, it's crazy. 
But yeah, so we have that email. You can literally send us whatever you're feeling like. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. God, All that to no say, idea. thank you for listening to today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> we care about you so much. So much. Thank you. Goodbye. Good. <laughs> Goodbye, and you like to say. Go book yourself. Oh my god, I just every time I hate it. Anyway, all right, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.